Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi there. Welcome back to the Muse podcast. This episode, Briggs and I welcome to the barn, The Demon. The Demon is a trio, uh, organ, guitar, and drums. Uh, I've been a fan of these guys ever since I heard about them, I don't know, like maybe two years ago. And uh, we're really excited to have them on the podcast. They completely slayed the podcast. They played a tune at the top, and of course we talked, and then they played a tune at the end as well. It's uh, loud and exciting, and uh, wow, what a treat to have these guys on. If you want to get in touch with us, as always, themusepodcast.com. Click on the contact button, and that'll get you right to us. If you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all the same, The Muse Podcast. Thank you, as always, to everyone who supported the podcast. Appreciate it if you're on iTunes or Google Play. Give us a review. Um, rate us. That'd be fantastic. And uh, thanks for all your feedback, too, everybody around the world who's listening. All right, people, here you go, the demon.
Awesome. Take, guys. Woo, come on over. Fantastic. What happened? <laughs> I got to get some of this uh, hum out of here. Wow. Go, on, uh, go ahead and grab a, a mic. Have a seat. Cool. Everyone comfy? Yeah. We are now, man. Thanks. Cool, cool. Yeah, sit down, grab a mic. Cans, oh. no cans, whatever. It's fine. Oh, yeah, good point. If you, if, you, uh, if you don't have cans, make sure to stay on the mic is all. Yeah, Steve, we got to give you a mic. You guys are all set. I'm gonna, um, while we're talking, I'm going to pull, pull some of this uh, hum out. Wow. Okay, so what was the name of that thing? Well, that one is uh, unnamed. <laughs> I mean, we literally, in the spirit of, of the podcast and what you guys do here, we got together last night for the first time in probably, you know, four or five months and sat down and made up the tune, wrote the tune, and came here. That was the, probably the fourth take. So you knew that you were going to be on the podcast? Correct. And that was the, that was the act? Look, it was... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah. In the spirit of writing tunes and talking about the songwriting process, I mean, this was a collection of a couple of ideas that we had that we had never really strung together. Uh, we decided to do it and decided to, you know, go for it and perform it and see how it goes. Yeah, I think the right whole, we made a comp of it, trying to build it out of different pieces, and it was just like a hack mosh. So it was fun. Steve was a champ because KB and I had a little bit more time with it. And we just jumped on it, played drums last night. Really. Right on. Maybe we should go do a quick intro so everyone knows who's, who everyone is. Sounds good to me. All right. I'm Briggs, obviously. I'm Rob. Cool. My name's Steve. <laughs> I'm Kelly. Cool. Okay. So how long have you guys known each other? When did you start doing this together? When so, was it? 10? I think it's all around college, right? I mean, I've known Rob since college. Oh, yeah. Um, we've all been in the, the Seacoast music scene for a long time, so there's a lot of understanding of what everybody's been doing. Um, first musical thing was around 2010. I got invited to go sit with Kelly, who had been enjoying uh, organ recently. I think it was just you had just started I playing just it seriously, learning it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was kind of like the uh, just trying out different guitar players. You're just messing around practice. It was like a good invitation to go and play. And right on. Time it was a different drummer. Okay. And uh, we decided to give it a run. Steve came on board and. That was right on 2011, right before we did the album. I think it was right after I had, for some reason, I thought it was right after I had my baby, is when, maybe a year before, we started to, you and I started to play. It could be. That. I was totally playing with a drummer and learning how to play Hammond organ. Right, right on. Just something I wanted to go do. And, uh, you know, with anything, you get two people together. I had a friend who wanted to play drums. We were going in a very traditional direction. You know, sure. It was like every other organ trio has done all of this, so let's do that. Right. And uh, while I enjoyed playing in that format, I wanted to try some different stuff, do something that hadn't been done. Cool. And uh, yeah, that's when I brought Robin to play guitar. We had a couple of guitar players, great local guitar players coming to jam with us. Sure. And uh, Rob brought something just crazily unique to the situation. You know, these these textures and sounds and. You, well, you all know. Sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> so before we go any further, let's just kind of lay down what's going on. So there's only three people playing. And uh, right. for, so people are obviously, it's an audio podcast, so people can understand what's going on. Obviously, drums, set up, regular drum set, sounds like a drummer. Robbie playing guitar, sounds like a guitar. How? What's actually happening over in keyboard land? You're playing more than just 
just uh, you know, like the Hammond sound. So I'm here. I'm here in the Hammond. This is very little Hammond. It's mostly bass. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, so you're actually playing bass with your left hand, right. While you're playing the Hammond with right. your right hand. Yes. Right. Yes. I'm much more of a bass player and a drummer than anything else. So how did, how did that even start? Now, so so if people who understand how Hammond works, uh, the the old organ, old style organ guys, all the way back in the jazz era, they they kick pedals. They'd with actually pedals, have the correct. bass pedals and using to like you know Jimmy Smith and these guys can can actually play like crazy stuff with their left foot or right totally but it's a little more modern i mean i've heard there are other people to do it i don't know anybody else who does it professionally like this yep. but you're playing the bass part so your brain is cut in two pieces you're playing bass player on one side and keyboard player on the other side at the same time with the two hands it's it all started back in, remember Miami Vice soundtrack? Did yeah. you guys ever have that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. So, we didn't know that. Axel F. Okay. Yeah. So, if you listen to Axel F, and I had keyboards as a kid, you know, but really didn't take any lessons, but Axel F has this really awesome, you know, melody. And then it's got this left hand bass that comes in. Right. Oh, right. And I learned how to play that. And that's where I had the idea that I could probably do something like that. But really, it was back in the, the late 90s in Snap and Gomez, we had a, uh, an organ player who quit. And went off and played uh, some pretty awesome stuff. Okay, hang on a second. What? What was the name of the band? Snappin' Gomez. <laughs> I love band names. <laughs> it's kind of a thing There's on no the good band oh, yeah, names in it. This it, whole collection is just a this, bunch of bad band names. I'm not even making fun of them. That's what's so great. No, it's like it's it, true. It, you hang your dreams on. It's like naming your company or something, right? Duncan's response. Walmart. You know, it's like, but <laughs> right. but now it's a thing, right? You just do it long enough, and it becomes like. When I was a, and you can't yeah. get rid of it, right? Well, that's the thing. Plus, snapping Gomez is awful. Is a, <laughs> a, really? A, I mean, devastating, a, right? That's all. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that's reaching for. It's a actually of a day lily. Really? No. No. <laughs> There's a story behind it, but I don't want to go into it. But it's it's you know, anytime a bunch of non Latinos take on a Latino name, yeah, snapping it just uh, Gomez. Just <laughs> there was so it, much it wrong with the name. Did yeah. you go? With, did you go with the apostrophe? Uh, yeah, at the end of the end. Totally did. Totally I could have sold you all and said that it was and that it crackled at like four in the afternoon nope. when the sun went down. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not you with the lush view you have. You, no, you probably could have sold me on it. <laughs> but I've been around Hammond organs in a lot of bands, yeah. and there was one dude who I saw play left-hand bass, right. and it blew my mind. And so I just made a note at some point in your life, come back to that and pick that up. Right. So I think, you know, on, on the pop level, the one example I think everyone could think of would be uh, Ray Manzarek from the Doors, sure, right? Sure. So he's playing bass on like a little mini Fender Rhodes on his left hand. Piano bass, yeah. The, yeah, and he's basically playing the, uh, you know, some sort of Farfisa Vox kind of thing, Vox kind of with the right hand, right? Um, but that's the only time. Like, it's it's not... How okay. did you learn how to do it? Did You you must have just been learning songs along. No, I just or? described it. I, you know, I sat in yeah. the basement with a friend, and, you know, he played uh, R&B beats, and I just worked through... It's really as simple as that. You just kind of willed it. Yeah. I, I can't... <laughs> you know, I tell Rob... Today we were on the phone, and, and we were talking about this tune or one that we were going to play, and I said, don't don't confuse me with the chords. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because it's just such a... It was an odd learning process for something like that. Yeah. But um, what I really like about it is the bass sound. Right. Um, organ is either on or off. There are no dynamics, which in a bass... You know, you've got... As a bass player... Sure. So much control over... And in this, it's one sound. It's either on or off. And there's a cool element to that. Absolutely. So, when it's done right, when it's you know when it's sloppy, it's it can be muddy. But, but <laughs> I love enough. the sound. 
So, uh, you know, before we get too far away from that memory of the song that we just just listened to, uh, does this start as like a, a jam or did it start with like a riff or does it start with an idea? How does that how did that work for you guys for this this particular one? For I will tell you two things. One is the chorus was something that we had been playing for a little while. That was actually influenced by Matt Carano. When we when we, you and I played in Pale Fighter, yeah. the three of us. Oh, yeah. One of his songs has a little, you know, it's an interval and it's a little riff that goes down and back up and down. Yep. And that's part of that chorus. It's just inspired. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. You guys both played in Pale Fighter. For the for live one, one night only. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. Yeah. Wow, cool. Okay, so but so you had that chorus. Piece. And then we had another piece that I had written with guitar on, you know, an iPad. Right. Yeah. And then uh, we added a third part last night and right. you know, screwed it together. Right. So it, I think most of the stuff is a collection of snippets. Yeah, I think actually, yeah, you, we assembled it conceptually maybe even more than a year ago. Yeah, on your iPad, it was awesome. We got right. what was it? Guitar rig? No, iRig. 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 Yeah. Nice. So yeah, we were just we were, we were done with the gear and we were like he and I were in writing mode, Kelly and I. So right. we'd go into his basement. And he had an iPad, and I would track my guitar right into the iPad. And for us, through we're, the iRig, yeah, we're, we're used yeah. to older stuff, you know, older methods of recording. So for me, as a guitar player, to be able to actually plug into it and get an idea down, kind of melted my brain a little bit. <laughs> it's pretty effective. Oh, it worked great. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a whole generation now of, of producers, sort of post. Well, especially now the things like Flying Lotus, uh, you know, Brain Feeder, that whole thing kind of exploded. The there are new younger producers who are finding it like a coolness factor to being able to put the whole thing together on the iPhone, you know, to just, that's part of the coolness factor. Is, yeah. You know, you're not using all of this stuff. You know, I use some stupid Akai, you know, MPC, <laughs> which is, you know, for us is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got this all upside down. Right. Yeah. But given what it is, it sounds good. It's, it's, there's a, like I said, there's a neat, I bet I've probably heard one and I don't know that I heard it. Well, right. I think, yeah. I think that just like anything else, if you limit, you know, you tell an artist, you're going to limit them down to very little. Sometimes that could be super creative. So I think that's what's happening. But, yeah. but uh, okay. So to bring it around. So then you guys just jam on the stuff. Is that how that comes through? Pretty much. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. So we, we've, we've definitely come to the table many times with, you know, a grip of ideas and, you know, really pushed ropes. And so at that point, you don't push them anymore, you know, right. and you go find more <laughs> ideas and maybe you'll come right. back to them. Right. And this is one that we'd pushed before and didn't go anywhere. It probably had a few. Yeah. It, honestly, it, it's an A minor and there was a feel to it. Yeah. And I do believe it had maybe five skeletal systems that were completely different. Yeah. Even with feels. We've a lot of our songs are that way. Right. Um, ones that we've been working on or we have in the backlog, you know, just kind of trying out these rotational right. options. And when it's a trio, it's challenging. Right. Because uh, you become numb to whether something has an arc to it or something is hot. You know what I mean? You just get so creative. Well, not creative, but you continue to create so much that you lose your connection. Well, it, it, I think the cool thing about, or I'm get, let me throw it out there. Tell me if I'm crazy. But you have like just three people going. It feels like you have a lot of agency over what it is that you're controlling. Right. So like, like if Rob goes off and takes a guitar solo, like. The drums, you, you got nothing to, to, to compete with or nothing to really think about. You have this big open space, right? And then the, you know, the keyboard, especially because you're controlling the bass, you can, you can even fly off into a different set of chords. Or you can do whatever the hell you want. And nobody, you're not, you're not leaving the horn section behind. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what is that like? How does it like playing drums in this situation? I mean, this must be a trick. I know drummers are usually, again, I'm stereotyping you guys, but usually, you know, the bass player is <laughs> staring at the drum the drummer's foot or whatever. There's a number of ways of getting that tight groove. That was pretty scary tight. Well, how does that work? 
drum wise? Well, it helps the fact that you got two drummers working together. You know, Kelly's right, played the right, drums, right. and so uh, you know, for me, I'm a groove drummer. I'm not. Uh, I'm not into the world of solos, and and I just like to keep things moving, kind of keep the train moving down the tracks, and uh, so it's always a matter of playing off. You know, you set up your own thing, which is nice. These guys kind of let me do my own thing. There's not a lot of direction. But given that, Kelly will sometimes be playing off of me or I'll be playing off of what I'm hearing him doing. Or it's a chance to, you know, try to uh, build what Rob's doing. So a lot of times I'm kind of going between each one of these guys and just that combined with just kind of me doing my own thing, which is chaos theory. There's no, (laughs) nothing is ever planned. Nothing is ever the same twice. I don't, I don't so that's how we play it's 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 never the same twice but it's us playing off each other and you know if that means driving a train or taking a left or a right depending right. on what seems right at the time well you make an interesting point is that that's one of the design points of the band why i think it's fun is you can be kind of selfish as a musician right there's not you know the verses you can do whatever you want there's no vocals um there's only three dudes and you like you said guitars over there drums are here organs a whole little world with bass those are the rhythm section and uh, it does add a lot of flexibility. So you can play a lot of guitar, oh, yeah. or very little guitar, or very different guitar. You can play a lot of drums. Or, or it could be drums. big or small. Yeah. I mean, we could yeah. take what we just did and, and turn it into almost like ballad-level dynamics and right. then bring it back up. It's it's The more we flesh it out, the more you get that kind of thing happening where you start to really play with it. Almost like, oh, I'm bored. We've done it 10 times. So now how can we screw this up? Yeah. So, yeah, there's like a... I don't want to... I'm, I'm using the J word, but there's like that jazz kind of approach towards it jazz is a funny word because it means so many different things right you know it's or or you know whatever uh, benny goodman you know like it could mean a lot of different things or but in this case i mean it's you got an improvisational thing but it doesn't feel like you guys are playing really outside you're just like hey let's just kind of make some shit up you have this structure but within the structure yeah. You have, a, a, like you said, it feels like you're kind of cycling through different <clears throat> ideas while you're still supporting the, the work. Does that sound right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You've, got a, you've got a framework, but then it's what do you want to do with it? And in time, as we play more and more, and that's how we kind of marinate, I think, our, our tunes. That's a great word. Right? <laughs> that's certainly <laughs> applicable. <laughs> you, know, Indeed. You, you, you start with the ideas, and, and so you got like literally maybe fourth or fifth take of that thing together. So uh, from here, it would get screwed on probably as an A and a B part to the beginning of a tune, you know, something live. Right. And we do that quite often just to groove on it well, and I mean, see what happens. What a cool intro to this one. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, we've been doing the podcast for a while. You expect, yeah. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Right. Give it. <laughs> That's not what happened. Like, there's some guitar thing going on, and you guys are staring at each other. You know, and you can just see the feel coming together. You're kind of waiting for the smoke to clear. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> no, but that was yeah. really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really, uh, I don't know. It just, it's well, okay. So listening so i think that's the other thing that knocks me out about what at least what i just heard here and i've seen these guys uh one time we we saw them at the uh stone church oh yeah that was a really pretty loud show too so it was a different kind of a uh, feel than in here it was a you know but the both of them shared that same concept where it feels like you guys are really listening to what the other people are doing and then you that's just out of fear yeah, <laughs> I think you're uh, I save me. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I took joke. away from it. Like for the past five years, you know, I'm in uh, the the band, the screen with John. Yeah, you were on. Uh, so and Rob was on uh, a previous right right towards the end of the year. Here, the screen yeah. episode was one of the coolest ones. Yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Um, 
the I got and I didn't really understand it at the time. And it, it's good to be humbled. And it's as John said, playing with two drummers, it's pretty. Uh, you just gotta say fuck it, you know, because uh, my time's gonna suck, and they're both gonna smell it. Uh, like, no, no, I'm not being self-deprecating. I'm saying that's right. the first thing that I was like, this is great, because right. I have two of these minds that I'm. It's like it was school. It was a really good way to look at it from the school. That's the worst school you must have ever been no, to. I disagree. <laughs> Jet pilot Steve. Then ultimately, um, I realized that the, the muscle that I was taught, though, was that we were listening, as you said. And that, for me, was really Well, cool. they're listening to you, too. You went up on the solo, right? And, these, you know, the, the band doesn't just go... Nark, 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 not at all. Are you done? No, are no. you done? They're like, they're going, <laughs> they're going right with you. Like yeah, it's the, right following everything you're doing. That listening factor just comes through. It's all that little subtle shit that yeah, we do. We love. would all do well probably yeah. in couples counseling for that, you know. But yeah, no, I think that's a collective thing. I think all of our muscles just got flexed listening. You know, we could do it. It's yeah. not a person singing words over it, you know. So I do know some good counselors if you need. Let's go, Steve. Just saying. Let's go. Really good counselors. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in addition to just everybody has their own world, I think there are really three different approaches here to, to music, three different backgrounds that I think are pretty interesting. I mean, Rob brings, you know, there's, there's a metal, there's a rock metal background to this. You yeah. Know? Uh, Steve brings jazz. You yeah. know, and jazz and, and all feel. And that was right? a big insult to jazz right there. Dude, come on. <laughs> Stop it. If you have a sizzle ride, you know. You, you oh, know. is that it? Is, is sizzle that, ride. Oh, yes, he does. That's the number? Uh, like that, five of them. That's the binary right there? Yeah. Which sizzle are you And he'll play right? shows with all rides. You're, that's jazz. Yeah. No, nah, it's great. But I'm just like classic rock boxing gloves. So you have yeah. all these th these three completely different approaches. And uh, so, yeah, I got to listen to Rob because I'm not really comfortable. You know, I haven't listened to that. His influences are very different than what I'm going to take cues yeah. from. So I got to listen hard to what he's doing. And, and listen hard to lock into Steve because he's going to go in directions I've, you know, I haven't gone ever. Right. So you have to listen to survive. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all about survival. <laughs> well, but there's that, there's that, there's that balance too, where you, where since you're playing bass with the left hand. So, so again, cutting the, the material up in, into a different set of, of, of sort of, I, uh, you know, I, ideas, you could look at it in terms of melody harmony rhythm. Right. And so in this case, many times, at least in that piece and in the past, I've heard, you know, the guitar will take the melody for part of the time, or you'll play together for the melody. Then the harmony is going to be most of the time, either your right hand on the organ or, you know, Rob, you're going to go play rhythm, right? Basically. Right. But, you know, what we call rhythm guitar is really sort of harmony guitar, right? right? And then, you know, the drums are kind of holding the whole thing together. But that balance that goes back and forth is, it's still fascinating to me, the way it pulls together, because you really do have to listen. In traditional jazz, uh, my experience with traditional jazz, it's not the easiest thing to do to play with a piano player and a guitar player and then a rhythm section. That can be tricky because you got these big polyphonic instruments. They're playing a lot of stuff. A lot of the times, you know, it's hard. The piano player will want to comp their own left hand while they're taking the solo or whatever. You have all this, these issues and you have to be really careful with that particular thing. And that's why I think you don't see that many, you know, uh, jazz duos where you see piano and guitar. It's just not a super common thing. You guys seem to have figured that out on another level, you know? I really like the way that you use a bunch of different guitar sounds, too, throughout the whole time. Well, I get to indulge it, you know? It's fun. <laughs> Rob has the best sounds. Oh, thanks, man. It's it's one of the cool things, and just not to take too many steps back, but the intro, like you mentioned yeah, the intro. One thing that we've just come to a point of is that, especially live, we've done it, and we haven't played a ton live, but one of the things we do is to kind of unite our heads 
we do that, we'll come out of some type of an ambient growth. Right. And that's where an we ambient listen. Ambient growth? And well, an ambient, so yeah, it's ambient, right? And then it comes together. No, no, together. I know. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's perfect. It's a carbuncle of thought. And then, <laughs> oh, oh, that's ultimately, a 16 did he just point say word? That? Yes, he did. Ultimately, we get there. And then it's cool because we're listening and we're gelling and then the, the song kind of starts, right? So I need it. I've needed it in past projects. I love that moment because I basically start to meditate. I think that's a close analogy to what it actually feels like as I get into the headspace of it. Yeah, you feel like you're kind of falling into that moment right. and yeah. it's just happening. Right? Thus, the effects help quite a bit trying to create that because if it was just me trying to play a, you yeah. know, a strat through a tweed, right? I need a little more time. Give me 25 <laughs> years, I'll come back and then I'll be like... Uh, for, for a visual, Rob's got one of those... What's a good... He's got like a, a, a whole, you know, a, a apartment complex of... Of effects over there. He's you know not it's quite bad. that big, but yeah, it's no, pretty big. I've had bigger. You know, it's bad when you've caught your kid. <laughs> he playing. owns a few apartment complexes, just so you know. <laughs> of, <laughs> of effects. A landlord. Yeah. This is the He's best. You got like a ground floor. You got a second floor. You got like. You I know. will not lie. I've acquired three pedal boards that I don't even use right now. Not full of pedals, <laughs> but sizes, just different Size. sizes. No, but you know, you win with your pedal board for lavishness in a sense, is when you catch your son driving matchboxes through it for about three hours straight because it's so circuitous that he gets to have as much fun <laughs> as he it, wants. It just keeps feeding him like he's in New York it City. It looks like a cityscape. It's, yeah, a little it's Manhattan for him. He, he, there's, like a little, there's like a little China in there probably. I don't even know. <laughs> Chinatown in my pedal board. Yeah. Crazy. So when you're looking at this kind of thing now, you finish the thing out, how do you approach... So you've done a recording. When you did the recording, did you do the recording all at one time or is that kind of thing where you kind of Go in from time to time because that feels like there's there's got to be something about that. You're kind of flowing from one idea to another and then like we're going to record this. How does this work? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, before we record it, we would have played it live and it would stand on its own and we'd be happy with it. Although the icing may not be on it, you know, all some of the cool. Right. This particular piece. Yeah. Uh, any of them. And uh, but when you go to record, we intentionally decided here's the here's the tunes we're going to do. Uh, we had just come off of a gig, and we probably took two weeks and did nothing, and then came in on a Saturday morning and got together, put headphones on, and recorded. And um, and we saved most. Of, we saved all the drums, right? We played together as a unit. Where is? Are you recording where you rehearse? Correct. Uh, oh, oh, that's a big piece. I didn't know. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't understand. We happen to live in a studio, which is kind of nice. So. Um, Oil Can Studios, John Santarelli, uh, Studio B12. And Rollins. It's over in the Rollins for this. Yeah, yeah. Had this place for 10 years that we've rented, and um, there's a full recording studio there. I think it's probably John Nolan's old board, and I don't know how many thousands of albums that were recorded in there. Right. Yeah, the studio know. space started as the one-hand free rehearsal space, right? Yeah, which was, it, it, right. I think it might have been John Nolan's studio it at was. that time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I recorded, recorded in I there. I recorded a Laurel Bronze album in there. Yeah. Oh, really? It's a great space, yeah. Oh, wow. So John Santarelli tracked us um and we rob and i played for the sake of getting through those songs with steve and getting him fired up and jazzed up and stuff so we drank a bunch of coffee and knocked it out and then i got like the flu so we went home and i recorded all the organ yep. and then rob uh we had a i don't know a week about a week <laughs> yeah, about, about a week. week of uh recording you know guitar yeah. um not and straight but just john would come up a, a week's duration it. not not yeah. continual yeah. Right. um and then that's when a lot of the the unaccidental like uh, icing came in the interplay came in We're like okay rob's doing this the bass is doing this let's make something out of this and that's where the production happened and it did happen um like you know in my basement right yeah. on logic right moving files around 
Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you listen to the record, and I've been doing this thing for a long time. I would not have. I would not have heard that. Yeah. I would not have heard that. That was, that was you know Ableton together or whatever. Wow. It wasn't cut up like rhythm section. Was. No, I get it. No, I totally. But, but you're moving the different ideas from. Wow. Yeah. No, so, no, no, no. I, don't, I guess I don't mean in in the sense that we cut up tracks that we had recorded. No. no. But yeah. It was passed around, and these are we had hard drives, and right. we'd, we'd modify a baseline. He'd hear what I would think of when I would record in the studio with right. John, and right. then he would update, accent, it. update it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a couple of tunes when they were done, I went back and recorded bass again. Really? Yeah. So over and over. So really? So <laughs> yeah. in my oh, yeah. the only time, the only one who actually was just knocking it down and getting Steve. it done is Steve. Here comes the cliche. So all that work comes together. Oh, yeah. And it was all this really we're hearing yes. from that original stuff was this, the drum tracks? Pretty much. Yeah. This is this wow. was the, the, the original plan, I think, was we got to get this done in about five days. So I came home for a week of work, not touching a drum set right. and had to bang this out. And we did. We managed about five, six hours to get it done. Yeah, yeah six it hours. quick. And I was like, great. All right. And then a year later, cool. we're uh, <laughs> starting out. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's pretty, that's the life of a drummer, right? Yeah. Well, no, not necessarily. <laughs> Get it done and then yeah. you know what blew sit around. I, I was. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot. I was lucky to, uh, to have dinner with uh, a guy who's in the games industry who I had no idea. This is my friend Ed and I are massive Rush fans, right? And we were just, just hanging out, just talking to this Great guy from the game industry. He's an audio director and having this drinking beautiful wine. We're talking, and you know he's from Montreal, and and it's funny because uh, I'll get to the point. He goes, uh, we we said, well, what did you do before you were doing this? He goes, oh, I used to you know record, uh, you know, he has this funny British Montreal accent. I can't do it, and he goes, I go, where did you record? He goes, this studio. I'm like, that's Russia's studio. I know, I do. And as I'm about to go, he's obviously heard this before. Uh, he goes, he goes. Celine Dion was just fantastic, and I we recorded her so many times. And he went on and on about Celine Dion, and Ed and I are kind of like looking at each other. That ruins everything. No, 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 no. <laughs> we realized that he totally knew what was going on. Yeah, and he was just pushing the conversation back just to drive us a little bit nutcase because <laughs> he's a sweetie. His name is Simon, and uh, uh, older man, and and he's just a great. And he goes. Well, you probably want to know what Rush. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, reason I'm telling you the story is while you're at it, I'm Rob. You'll love this. So uh, I, I've known Rob kind of on and off for a long time through the screen, right? Yeah. And I'm always the guy who's like, turn the fucking click off and just play the goddamn song, right? You know, this is my thing. And it's always been my thing as a producer, and you know, like what you guys just did right there. The last thing I want to do now is put that onto the narc, 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 narc narc at all i just it was That's great good. but the point i'm making i go tell me something awesome about rush and he goes i'll tell you something you don't know i'm like what he goes they don't play at the same time and like what just happened there at is all. what just happened to ed i'm just like looking at ed like well uh he goes right put the click up and then neil plays his part and i'm like like it's like Two things in a row, like in thirty seconds, that are just destroying me. I'm like, fuck. So, so you're saying it's a lab? They just don't play together. And so, the uh, what I'm really saying is, you are in fantastic company. The idea that you put that feel down, then just leave it. Then you go back and replace things as they go. If you do it like you guys do, just with you know really professionally with great feel you never know if you had told me when i listened to the demon album 
yeah, tell me right now, are they playing together or not? I go, well, maybe you could, maybe this dubbed here or that. But that was about it. I, there's no way I would have said all this shit is replaced. There's yeah. no way. I mean, we were in a rush to capture what we could. And so yeah. when we set up in the studio, we didn't have a lot of choice. You know, to, we didn't have time to get anything other than drum sounds. We had a day. Right. Right. So we had, we were working with a friend and, you know, he wasn't really, you know, he was helping us out. So right. we, had, we had a day. And we couldn't get all the right sounds. We couldn't, you know. Yeah. Rob takes like a day to just get the guitar sound the way it wants it. Right. And in that room, actually, I had to take the smallest cabinet, stick it in the corner, bury it under blankets so that it wouldn't get into the drum tracks. I mean, it wasn't like we had the live capture there. Right. Because you were worried right. about. Right. You're worried that it was going to bleed. He's lined totally. in. So that right. was really the. We, I knew that day that we were going to be reamping or retracking guitars. Retracking. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But we were able to capture the feel of what we do live. Right. And so there is no click and there is no going back and, you know, Carbon copy. Like I said, I don't want to leave you with the, the idea that we were like no, cutting no, and pasting. No, 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 no. We were right. doing yeah, performances. That was my fault. I, I gave that impression. Yeah. No. But we were doing performances, but um, yeah. we were able to capture that. Re feel. Replaying yeah. your part yes. over this section or that, and then keeping this part, and then replaying your yep. part. Right. And it, sound, it feels tedious, but uh, maybe to someone who's not a musician, but I know what that feeling's like. You're like, no, 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 no. I got this one. I got it. It's like, uh, and you just get it. And then when it hits, you just like, that's it. It's got to be it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's actually. Again, for people who aren't hip to the to the process, it's relatively common in in music recording to put this. It's also like, sure. like you said, it's but, exciting. But this particular right. thing doesn't fucking sound like that. That's Thank what's you. crazy. Great, That's it perfect. just doesn't sound like that. It's just <laughs> nice job, like you guys. guys are success. It. Well, and and if <laughs> if there are some recordings of us playing live that are you know soundboards, whatever, and they sound very much like that. They right. Have, no. They exactly. Have that level of heat intensity. They, yeah. they, you know, it's not like there's anything. Well, that was the other part of writing tunes. So the tune was completed when we recorded it because Rob's got, you know, like you said, melodies and wings and there's icings on it and there's all these great interplays. And then we go back and start to, you know, remember those. And like you said, now I got to go play this live, right? right? We've created this thing. Now we got to go play it live. So you almost like that's when the tune's finished. You have all those cool interplays that we're going to do and, you know, we're going to listen, uh, but we've, you know, we know exactly all the little items we're going to hit. And I think that's when a tune is, is completely finished. And until we've gone through that, you know, because they are night and day, those five tunes that we recorded, the maturity level of them, you know, live is greatly above the other 10 or 12 ones we have. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. Through that one process. Yeah. So was this, so uh, how did the, how did the recording arc go? Like everybody knows you, at least around here, they know you from the, the demon record, right? The one with the awesome color the thing swirl like, yeah. Really, yeah it's a really good looking record on the outside it's you. instantly you're like you want the sticker the whole thing it's perfect right yeah have you guys uh what how does how did recording work before that i mean did you record as the demon how did that how did that work we no, that, that was it that was it yeah that was that and playing live and live recording yeah. and that are it have you made a live a demon live thing not officially well, you know what we did our, our first the first show the first ever show. at yeah. the Stone Church. It was like a promo thing. We didn't have an album to move around, so you know. It came out well, though. It of did. course. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was all soundboard, and I think we got the. Did we get the files or who mixed it? I don't remember what happened. Good question. Yeah. Great, but, but it was energy. really. It was really good. Oh, Bob Beale did something with that. He mastered it. Yeah, he did a good job too. Yeah. Is that available? Oh yeah, we have, I still have um, download cards. We have a download queue. It's so on. It's, is it on iTunes? Unless it got it ripped off, I think it's on iTunes as well. But yeah, yeah. is it on Spotify? No, no, no. It's not. We haven't pushed it on any other online no areas. The, not the live album. I think we were going to go for a live yeah. thing that we were really going to push. Yeah, this we, we had control to, it a little bit better, and right. we had to come up with some something that that represented us to go get gigs, right? And get people interested in what we were doing. Right, so. right, right. 
you could only summons, you know, a gig with no band, you know, no recognition, no fans, no right. anything. You can only do that once or twice. Well, you guys, I was telling Kelly before, like you guys did something that was just great. Um, you know, one of the problems with being up in, uh, you know, an hour north of Boston is a lot of the times people take their 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 music super seriously. There's some fantastic musicians up here. But they they resist, uh, you know, falling into the whole marketing thing. They don't really think of a way to push themselves forward or they use like a really typical sort of stereotyped way of doing it. I'm going to make a record, put my name on it, put my face on it, make posters with my face. Like they went to disc makers and just did what disc makers told them. Right. You guys did something different. My experience with you, I knew who you guys were from the different bands you played with. But the first thing that happened was someone's like. Hey man, have you heard the demon? I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, it's Kelly. It's so like, okay, I know who these guys are. And they go, check it. And I click on it, and it's that video you guys did. That fucking video is so good. It's really, really good. It's not a matter. I, it's funny because you're like, oh, it was made on an iPhone or whatever. It doesn't matter. It no, feels it was, right. Thank you. It's cut right. Yeah. It's that's how you do it. Like it fits what you guys do. Like if I just listen to a recording of the demon, I have no idea what you guys like how you present. Right. Which is there's only three people. It doesn't sound like three people. Right. So your imagination doesn't line up with what you're hearing. Right. But that video just put it together. It's mostly black and white. It's right? all black and white. Yeah. yeah and. You got that picture. It looks sort of like you're at home, but it also looks like you're at the studio. It just feels good. Everybody's feeling it when you're playing. Did you ape that? Was that a... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, but, I'll tell, I'll tell did you. Did you guys go back and play with the... I was impressed with him because I'll start... The way he wanted us to shoot it, this is Kelly's machine. He's like, I want you each to bring your camera. Right. Your, your iPhone. So he had a, we had three iPhones. And he had this oh, thing oh, all okay. organized. Yeah. He had it now all, I totally get it. He had it all organized. <laughs> it was all bullshit. One everything. iPhone. Yeah, it was awesome. That. He's Low like, rent. you know his placements. <laughs> we, we, re, we found a spot in the same mill above where, where the studio was is. Yeah, yeah it's neat light. That was 50 too. bucks, wasn't it? The thing is, is those things, usually, those things usually are a massive pain in your ass. Like, massive pain in your ass. And eight hours later, it sucks and everybody's pissed. <laughs> this guy had it done in less than three hours, and he was fully confident. Steve and I were like, oh, okay. Didn't even know. And then he fa he made the video in, what, two days or something like yeah, that? Three yeah. days? So I was just, the, the dick pain factor was negative eight. So that was <laughs> Were you awesome. listening to Negative that? eight, that's I had I had a vision. Yeah, there were headphones on it. But I had, I had a vision of, you know, you get enough cameras and a couple of different shots of everybody, and you're going to end up with something you can splice together. Mm -hmm. You know, and so some of the, you know, some of the cuts go along with the music. Some of the cuts go along with what people were doing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was it. the reason there's a lot in, about this band that was intentionally different. Right. The, the approach of I'm going to go come up with all these tunes. I'm going to, you know, get all these posters and get everybody I know. And I'm going to try to build a following over the next 10 years and slug it out <laughs> and slug it out in New Hampshire and try to build a following. We tried to do something different, you know, with the work with the video. We tried <laughs> yeah, to do work, something yeah. different. We tried to cut right to who cares make something that people can easily transport it's a link it's got everything you need to know it's what we look like what we sound like what you're going to get you know boom but it's there's a coolness factor to it also i mean i so i teach at berkeley right and there's a lot of people that get an instrumental band together and they get that feeling of being in an instrumental band unless there's one person in the band that is just absolutely thermonuclear at the moment during that recording mm -hmm. it it will have a tendency to be looked over the way you guys presented that video, then the way even just, you know, everything from the name of the band, the way it comes forward, really presents this much more entertaining, much more interesting, much more complex and cool 
thing, which I really, really, really dig. And I think that video put it together. I, I appreciate Thanks, that. I mean, I live in the world of marketing and sales. So, oh, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if you have the opportunity to, you know, and, and a lot of those things were presented to these guys. Kelly's like, actually a dishwasher. That's all. <laughs> bullshit. Clay yeah. Potter. Oh, my, my wrinkled fingers. Um, <laughs> best dishwasher. But, you know, these guys were these guys were sweet in the way that they were like, sure, that's what you want to do. Make the, make the album look like that. Make the video look like that. Do whatever you want. You know, yeah. there, it wasn't a... Spandex, whatever. Yeah, what do you guys think? It was just, thank God. let me just get it done. You didn't want to ask that. Another thing I liked about it, uh, when I got the album, I received it with uh, tasting notes. Uh, Yeah, it was great. It was... um, what goes well with what the dry red. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, no. It was like what you're supposed to do to prepare yourself for what you're about to hear. And it was like, listen to some Jimmy Smith from a specific time period or That's something. Good. I don't remember all That's the details. That's always good advice. It was great. I did it. Like, I followed it to a T and then I sat and listened to the album. Make yourself the awesome. worst chicken parm you've ever had. No, it was, <laughs> and yeah. then. Well, I did that anyway. It's another story. But, yeah. No, it was great. It worked really well. I'm I thought it was clever that. and, uh, and, and, it was fun, you know? I think the instructions like, were headphones at, yep. a, at a high level above, like, you know, number eight. And I think that's, you know, there's a sound. I was talking to Rob outside before we came in. Like, there's a sound pressure element of what I like about the sure. show. Sure. So, you know, he mentioned the show was loud. I like that. No, it's good, yeah. right? Yeah. You For feel me, it, right? You, you want to feel it. Totally. And, and so, you know, in the headphones, it's actually very bizarre. Oh, yeah. Uh, because we're used to just massive sound pressure. But I think you should play it at a, at a high volume. You know, and yeah. and if you can set a basis in, you know, here's what the organ used to sound like. Here's what a a trio could sound like, and then boom, you know, sure. crank it up. I think it makes sense. Put some fire on it. Yeah, it was good. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a very enjoyable experience for me. Awesome. <laughs> if it wasn't for the instructions, it would have been terrible. I wouldn't have even yeah. listened to the CD. <laughs> you have to know it what to do. Fuck it, right? You put it through the smallest, tiniest speakers you have. Yeah, exactly. And uh, right. maybe just. Some cold pizza and yep, you're you're it's ruined the whole experience. Yeah. <laughs> Put it in the display of your car, then turn on the radio and listen to Delilah. Yeah, <laughs> Delilah. <laughs> did you just say that? Delilah. He did. Delilah. Rob's a big Delilah fan. I think I love Delilah. Yeah. I also remember, you know, when we were wrapping up mixing, right, and we were listening to mixes. We were sitting in my car. You and I would sit in my car in my driveway. And yeah, just crank it. Yeah. Because you know you want to listen to it where people are going to listen. To sure, it, right? right. So that's why it came. Car with, listen is classic. Right? It came with tasting notes. I couldn't say get into a 2011 E350 formatic. Sure, you know, so it had to be relatable. We had to do headphones, but um, yeah, I mean, you got to listen to it the way you're gonna, you know, you're gonna enjoy it. Sure, yeah. So the next thing is the live album, obviously, right? That's <laughs> next. <laughs> It, it, it might as well be. I mean, again, we had this idea um, for our next album to be a little more, actually, you know, in a different direction, like a little more simplistic, a little yeah. more accessible uh, vocals, right you know, vocals. You get a and really hot girl lead singer, as I was going to have. Back up. Rob's pretty Come hot. <laughs> I wear really a big, hot male singer. I wear a big sheet. I've, I, I, yeah, I've, I have Summer's all, coming. Have you seen I have the all shorts? These vis- <laughs> no, I have all these visions of walking in downtown Harlem and finding a church and 12, you know, Members in the chorus that just jump on board, and it would be yeah. a lot of fun. But that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we were we were just thinking about a change. You know what I mean? Trying to put sure. together things. Why not? A right? different. Yeah. We came up with how many? Do we have a few? Yeah, it was like fourteen 13 or yeah. fourteen. You know, pieces that are in the uh, in the mix for that hasn't come to fruition yet. But well, that was one of those things. I think we got together and pushed them, and it felt like pushing them. And yeah. What was interesting was last night when we got together to kind of put that that you know. Yeah version of the tune you heard a nice deadline presented to us yeah um 
it came together pretty quickly and pretty fiery, um, which reminded me of, you know, like, like Steve said, you know, reminded me of like, that sounds like us. Yeah. The old. So, you know, perhaps, perhaps in in a weird, awesome way, you know, this, this podcast is part of that writing process where something gets solidified, right? A direction. Because I think we need a, we need a rallying point. Everybody does. I think if you're going to go embark on, you know, an album, like what's the point? What are you going to do? Yeah. Just knock out songs. Does somebody have a grip of songs or what can we get behind? And, uh, yeah. Kelly just made a fist. Is that what you're going to get behind? <laughs> just yeah. When I said that, I just want to, for those of you who can't see what's going on here, you need these things. A lot so, of conviction so, and emotion yeah. behind the statement. So let's pull it back. So Kelly, wh- there, there's got to be some kind of influence going on here. When you were, you know, just sort of getting into music in the first place, what were some of the first things that you listened to? We like to ask on this podcast, we like to say, like, what was the first, uh, what was the first recording that you Right. yourself like yeah. you know that you know your someone didn't give you or perfect um sticks paradise theater Woo! yeah I, mean, oh. I, grew up in, I grew up in texas so it was kenny rogers at a willie nelson yeah. diet boxcar willie you know yeah. all those guys boxcar willie is totally different than willie nelson it is but that's how i that's what i grew up listening to is no, the family had so when yeah. i had my first opportunity two willies to get something <laughs> yeah. there was this album you know in, in the back of paradise theater has this you know massive hologram you know, on the back of it, that's just really trippy. And I, I, I was, have it. Yeah. Okay. It's what he's talking about is you have a, it's a piece of vinyl. Yes. And on the vinyl, in the grooves, they made a hologram of the S- awesome stick. Sorcery. Logo, but it doesn't matter. It was awesome. Holographic kind of looking. Yeah. Uh, and I've never think, seen a band run around so much on stage. Like they run. Like the, a there lot is of running. running. There yeah. is running. A lot yeah. of bangs and a lot of running. There yeah. are uh, bangs are true. And the eye thing, the, Eyebrow. Eye patch too with the uh, drummer. But I think in high school I had a steady right. di- steady diet of rush. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, geez. I'm not sure, but we'll just go with yeah. it. I think he had eye patch. What did you say? You went with the rush in high school. So you went from all of your conversations are relative over to rush, rush. and then um, it was Russian and Chikoria all through. You know, the steady diet of See, pretty much those two things for you know, years. Chikoria says that the keyboard is just 88 little drums sitting right next to each other. Yeah. And he goes, there are very few keyboard players that don't that don't at least kind of play the drums, you know, like it is a drum, but you're not playing in the key of you're in the key of like all those other notes, you know. Yep. And it's uh, it's tricky. So you did you learn did you learn like, you know, twenty one twelve and all that shit on the drums? Were you playing the drums? So I was playing the drums, but um, it was a funny story to learn how to play bass because I wanted to learn how to play bass. Uh, I borrowed a rock axe. You remember those? They sold them at Daddy's for oh, like yeah, 99 yeah, yeah. bucks. The I have net- no idea what you're talking about. Rock axe. Go ahead, Briggs. The- what? Go, Briggs. Fucking bring it on. Shit, man. It's a rock axe. Was, it a, was like, it a guitar or did it have an amp built into it? No. Oh, okay. It's a bass, but, but it has like, you know, the, the, the body paint, thick paint, and the neck is painted as well. You know, it, it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about. Oh, so it's just... Yeah, it's a fucking bass. rock axe. It's a, it's bass, a Sears it's, guitar, man. Oh, it's, a, it's like yeah, a kind much, of bass. Right. I borrowed it from a girl down the street. She said, you have a week. <laughs> High commodity item, <laughs> right? You know, it was important. She to her. needed it back. Come on, man. I needed it That's too. My so rock axe. I, I had a week. <laughs> exactly. And I learned every Rush album. You know, I sat in my room on the base. On the base. Okay, ready? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Because oh. now we're right there. Okay, how did oh, you boy. do that? Were you listening? <laughs> you can't do that on a record player. No, because um, you can't back it up a little. I like, had tapes. So you had a cassette machine, and you'd hit the rewind button nah, while just, the play was on, and. Yeah. I would play the tune, I'd do my best, and then I'd stop and not play it and just go through the parts in my head and try to get closer gotcha. and try it again. Yeah. 
Right. I had built the little cardboard speakers uh, in my room, and I had like a Yamaha, you know, tuner uh, power amp that I plugged into. Nice. That was playing Rush and the bass through the cardboard speakers. Right. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Wow. See what happens when you let your kids get bored? Yeah. <laughs> Life in New Hampshire. Just let them get bored and all this awesome stuff happens. Wow. Okay. So you so you were kind of like a whole word learner is what you're saying. You're listening to the whole song and you're kind of getting it together and you're learning the bass parts. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you get the bit. Now you got, of course, you got the drum tracks. So yeah, I, I, now I, and I was a drummer through the whole thing, right? And that was my introduction to bass. And I was trying to learn how to play bass when you go to college, right? You can't really have a drum set in your room. It's true. Know? So I was like, everybody needs a bass part. I'm just gonna pick so up bass. That's a, that's a good point. It makes sense, so right? Practical, yeah. yeah. Long line of events. It's true. So as long as we played a lot of Rush, you know, it was gonna be great, right? <laughs> Did you get a Rickenbacker and shit? No, no, some Ibanez horrible, you know, teal with gold hardware thing that. I oh, I had one of those. Might have might have culminated a problem. It probably was the same guitar. You probably bought it. Did, right? Did you get it from Daddy's? Uh, no. Uh. <laughs> Mine was a six string. Oh yeah. yeah. Dad, Daddy's yeah. means two strings worse than whatever you had. Daddy's means that uh, Daddy's means Daddy's Junkie Music Store. It's a legendary uh, music store around in this area, sort of New Hampshire. Started in New Hampshire, and then uh, got into Massachusetts and and uh, Portland, up into Maine, and all that. But uh, yeah, and there's some some legendary people at Daddy's that everyone around here knows and is familiar with and stuff. But yeah, I got my first my f- my first keyboard player. My first keyboard was from Music Emporium at the mall. Which is pre right around the time Daddy's. This is really early on. I'm ancient, but the, that was in um, Manchester, was it? No, it was in there. Well, there was one Fox in. It was for the Justin Newington Mall. It was Newington. before the Fox Run Mall. Wow. But wow. then, uh, but then, yeah, I got my PV bass amp to play my keyboard through from Lou at Daddy's when they were on right on on Market Street in Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, like like Market the Street. They were on Market Street. No yeah. way. Yeah, they were. I down didn't by, know like, that. Where. Uh, like where the Japanese restaurant is now, you know, Saki. Yeah, it's wow. in that area. They should never have left that spot. The tall yeah, giants right. do fall hard. Am I doing that right? Yeah, yeah. Or oh, you know what? I don't know. It's so I think long I just ago. This, this is where he, this is where he says it was like in no, like no, 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 Oh yeah, it was Manchester. No, it's not. It would was. You know what? It could have been. It, you know how the street looks sort of the same in Dover. It comes down the hill. It might have been in Dover. Does that make more sense? Might have been aircraft. Might have, right. no, 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 no. This is where Rod Stewart was back. It was behind D'Angelo's in Newington. It was not a mall. It was just its own little crappy mall. That's a different version of Daddy's. Uh, this is okay. really early. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm actually even older than you are. So, uh, young man. Yeah. So yeah, I believe I believe that that is the case. Whipper but you know what? It might have been in Dover. It might have been in Dover. Damn it! Five minutes. Of you know, either you way, do. it was a good should, place should, to get some should, fucking used shit. Apparently, might even find a rock axe. Yeah, I should find get Lou and be like, dude, where did I get my thing from you? Anyway. You should have a podcast with Lou. Get oh the get goodness, the exclusive. You know what the problem yeah, is? Right. And I'll say this out loud. Get the exclusive. Lou. The problem is it'll be like ten minutes of awesome stuff, and then we'll just have to talk about the Beatles the whole rest of the time. No, right? we got to hear about daddies. I know, but Lou really, 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 really likes the Beatles a lot. No, that's too bad. Anyway, I like the Beatles too. But yeah, yeah. I think that'd be good dirt for your show. So you got the rock axe. <laughs> You learned how to do the shit. Yeah. Did you ever learn how to play it on the drums? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, of course. Geez. Well, I know, but that's not easy. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not easy. But the other thing is I wanted to mention is what was interesting is you have Chikoria and Rush. And this is an electric band. So it's not like old school awesome Chikoria. Yeah. It's an electric band. Oh. So you learn a lot of notes with no feel. So I literally went like all my influences up until college was no feel. 
So you're saying a piano is like 88 bad drums all next to each other? 88 rototoms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 88 left hands. That's perfect. <laughs> so it was in, like tiny little rototoms. <laughs> it? it was in college when I, you know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Man, that tickled Steve drums. just right. <laughs> Well, the piano itself doesn't actually sound that good. It kind of, you go, and then it dies, right? You never can't breathe while you can't go, uh, uh, you can't breathe into it. So if you think about it, all you're ever doing, there looks like a bunch of flowers that are dying in front of you. Like you just keep propping them up by playing more of them and watching them die in front of you. So the piano is kind of a tragic instrument if you look at it that way. Not when you I use the, ab- the abysmal pedal. <laughs> the abysmal pedal is my favorite, which all real pianists hate. It's the one that makes it last forever. It sounds well, you like you just hold it down the whole oh, time. It's fantastic. You know what? The, Apparently, that, the, Ahmad Jamal did not get the memo. <laughs> <laughs> some people, some people really do make good use of the sustain pedal. Yeah, my use of it is gluing it to the floor, gluing the sustain, but pe- gluing the sustain pedal to the floor. I'm gonna be totally pretentious now. While you hold it down and play the piano, is the I have to play through a chorus of electric guitar. Uh, right? You know how like speaking you know, of Roto Tom, like, every single guitar player yeah. ever who yeah. begins to play their guitar once they get that chorus pedal, yeah. like you have to it's to produce bands, you have to tear it out of their Box. you're like, you can play the, the the guitar can be played without a chorus. Like, dude, it's my sound. You're like no, it's everyone else's sound. Stop playing with the chorus. You can use it if you want, yeah. but you have to have times where you're not doing that too. Oh, absolutely. You can't it's have funny. all sizzle symbols. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's funny. Right. That, that, that pedal is wait, way over. Yeah. Wait, 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 I, wait, I would wait, disagree wait, wait. there. <laughs> I got a sizzle hi-hat. Uh, I got a sizzle right. We're actually yeah. all about sizzle and chorus <laughs> and the demon. Sizzle and chorus. Yeah. But only. you guys do it on purpose. It, it's true, though. Like When I use my chorus pedal, because I do have one, I'm of like, I'm trying that. to be sneaky. Yeah. Like the flanger, which was at the beginning of the first tune, that's easy. Yeah. Everybody knows it's a flanger. It's going to yeah. do this thing. It can make things funkier, actually. Chorus, you're always like looking around the room. Yeah. I, I'm not talking about professional music. I'm talking about every every 13-year-old no, I'm talking kid about who all guitars. gets the guitar. It's like it's got to go through the chorus. Was like, once 13. Off, oh, I was that kid. I remember. Yeah, everybody my, was. My but we've, we've never had to put Rob in a timeout. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I'm pretty lucky, actually. <laughs> Oh, wow. Man. So yeah, I remember that the Chicory Electric Band was a kind of a big deal because it was like it was a little bit. Of, it was sort of a cool crossover. I mean, you're kind of calling them out. You got Jan Hammer, you know, came across with Miami Vice. Herbie Hancock had Rocket, right? There were a couple of these sort of examples of people who did this kind of stuff and made a bunch of money instead of just sort of you know slaved away in a bad jazz club in the middle of you know Paris somewhere. But yeah. um, but you know. I'm going to love it no matter what it is. I'm the wrong person to talk about. I couldn't care less about the commerce part of all this shit. But the problem with the Chicory Electric Band was then it turned into like a marketing thing where he's wearing like a weird dashiki thing and playing the over the shoulder thing. And yeah. I bet you they still made hundreds. You oh, know? there's no question. <laughs> Dozens of dollars. But, but obviously as a drummer, you know, the, that band sold how many copies of Modern Drummer magazine? I mean... Yeah, that was what it was like. You Dave, the bass player would get Modern Bass Magazine. The keyboard player would get Modern Keyboard Magazine. Oh, yeah, nonstop. And you just learn all the parts. They didn't have a Daishiki magazine. That would have been another one. No? All right. You should have had a mullet magazine for that, that time period. That they were all all mullets. Yeah. I think it was just mullets. that they're all, their personal philosophies also were culminating. And I think, I don't know, I believe Chicory is into Scientology. All that stuff happened right around that next yeah. point of the early 80s where it was like, 
A lot well, of those guys are Yeah, and you have that. Getting into philosophy. You have this right. thing where these people are already established, fantastic, world famous. Exactly, right? Great so, musicians. And then they're also reaching out and doing. I mean, Herbie Hancock, Herbie Hancock was doing uh, commercials. Yeah. You know, was doing car commercials or, or you know, Pepsi commercials or whatever they were. And he's so good, no one knew it was him. No, I mean, he just wouldn't <laughs> call him that. I mean, you just yeah. go ahead and just do them sort of behind the scenes. But yeah, you got to make cash. You got to make the cash. And. Sometimes it's going to work if you're not doing some weird tour with, you know, some orchestra. You're going to have to make cash. So right. So yeah. I went to see Chick Corea recently. They you were, did. He was at the Wilbur in Boston. Oh yeah, that was yeah, not had, too long ago, right? Right. I saw Jay and uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, saw, okay, cool. It was well, it was all musicians, right? Sure. Like, can't get into the men's room. Not not a female in sight, you know. <laughs> I saw Mike Stern at a Regatta Bar. Not Regatta. Damn it, I'm I've seen him at Regatta Bar it before. Was night. Stage, right in Cambridge. Oh, okay. I, I'm just totally pulling bad references today. I don't Whatever. know what it is. Regatta Bar put a picture of a sailboat. Yeah, but it wasn't hands. Regatta Bar. But anyway, I saw Mark Stern there. It was crazy. I went with my friend, and we're both there. And you look out, and there were legitimately like no women in the place. Absolutely, totally packed. <laughs> Everybody's digging it. It was a great show. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Dennis Chambers played the drums. Oh, uh, but that was. Good. It was the best best drum solo ever because he didn't go. <laughs> He just does like these little buzz rolls on the side yeah. of the snare. It's really quiet. Wisps. It's like so musician nerdy. It was the best. Oh, yeah, totally. It was a great show. But yeah, zero women. And and now to be, uh, but let's call it out, not the case anymore. Um, the, if you go like at Berkeley, if you walk through where the, the, you know, the percussion ensemble area, all that kind of stuff, the number of women playing drums now is amazing. It's awesome. And it's it's a knockout. There's a woman. Who did she go out with? Damn, son. Uh, okay, well, I'll have to. You guys can talk, and I'll think of it as, as a, 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 cool. a young woman right from, from Berkeley who, who just went out on tour, replaced. Uh, did she? My uh, Marca Giuliani, uh, Juliana. That's the guy's name. I forget. I don't know if you know who you're talking about. What band? You know I'm yeah. About? Uh, fantastic drummer. Uh, he was out with. Damn it, I can't remember who it was. It's with this saxophone player, uh, Macy Parker. Don, no, Donnie is a much more modern young kind of band. Uh, they played up in Portland. Anyway, she she did a show with him at Berkeley, and Mark had to go do something else. Anyway, he's like, "Hey, why don't you just come on tour?" So she just took like that whole rest of the year off and went on tour with with Donnie. I can't. Uh, Donnie Caslin is his name, uh, oh. the saxophone player, and. Uh, I think she's I unbelievable. It's killing me. I can't remember her name. That's why I'm stumbling right now. I, I'll have to look up her name because it's terrible to call someone out and not remember who they are. <laughs> okay. She's a complete knockout. I mean, just an amazing drummer. Not like, oh, she's good for a girl or any of that bullshit like it used to be in the 70s. It's like, it's just amazing drawing. I think like there's a there's a relation between the number of notes you play and the amount of money you don't make. You know, as a band, <laughs> you, don't get paid, you, don't, you don't get paid by the note. That's not how this works. I just feel like you think of these bands that, you know, and, and again, I think we're guilty of indulging towards that direction. I'm not saying we're in that caliber, but I'm but saying you can point at me. We play what we want, you know, for and we play as much as we want. And yeah. we are, are all selfish as musicians in this little trio. Right. And we don't care if anybody likes it. And we don't but care the if people anybody, at your shows are digging it. So they are, but it's all the it's, musicians and some <laughs> almost not all. a bad thing. Right. Almost all. Spouses. Yeah. Right. Well paid spouses. Right. No. All musicians and Steve's wife and the 40 women she brings with her. So fancy. God decided. bless Zumba. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. It's like a wall of arms, which crossed, is better than you know? the sea of mustache, mustaches. I'm used to. Uh, yeah, that's fair. What is that at the uh, the aforementioned uh, public that beverage, was beverage that, and restaurant place? That was Say Zuzu Tours Italy. Oh, well, that's different. 
It was all about mustaches. How many tours Men. did you guys do in Italy? Uh, three, four. Were they? I did three. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because we do do a segment on this podcast called Road Stories. So if you got any good ones, drop them. Oh, go for it, Steve. I bet you got a good one. Oh, that's pressure. Just remember, everybody you know and no love pressure. You might Just, hear it. Uh, yeah. Stories. Yeah. I'm, I'm famous for having slept all the way through Tuscany because I had drunk so much limoncello the night before. <laughs> limoncello? Now, that's a low-proof alcohol. And grappa. Oh, okay, that's not okay. Fair and everything enough. else that they have in Italy. Yep. And all I wanted to do is pull a hat over my eyes and be left alone as yep. we drove through these most beautiful yeah. the highways and scapes and all the way through Tuscany, all the way to Pisa. Slept the whole way. It wasn't really sleeping. It was just trying not to look at anything. Gotcha. Trying not to use your eyes. Photosensitivity. Yeah. Suffering. Like, when Sounds asked, like a hangover. It yeah. was like the noise yeah. of seeing things. But yep. that's not really a road story. That's just no. Come on, got to come up with something better than that. Ever been <laughs> robbed? On on a on a. There was a tour? time that we didn't get paid and we robbed a club. All right, let's hear that. We actually held them up. They thought it was gunpoint. It is turned out a, it was just a very small knife that I had. But is there uh, a statute of limitations on <laughs> these types of uh, name the club? What's well, not? Let's call it uh, Jeffrey the Giraffe's Club. It was somewhere down in Virginia, okay. Blacksburg, Blacksburg. Awesome. Yeah, they wouldn't. You were the one who did the holding up. That's awesome. We held them up. We got everything. They're safe. We actually broke into the office. Well, we had them do it on behalf of what they owed us. How much this did is, they owe you? Must have been a few hundred dollars. I mean, big what, bucks. What was their promise if, for not paying? If you were going to hold them up, you wouldn't be for 50 bucks. It would be for at least 100 At least 100 <laughs> The problem was the principal. They, uh, they got the burger and beer bill as well. Oh, I got it. They got I not paid. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're After not paying you. Here's your tab. Yeah. We're like a band on tour, the broken down bus. And... The gig got canceled. Uh, Unbeknownst to us, the club had gotten like shut down, and we needed that money. That bus was not doing well. So it ended up we got their safe. We ended up the coin machine, the bill machine. Every like We were counting pennies, but we got it. And it was all because they thought that we actually had some heat, which is something we learned from Willie Nelson's band. What state were you in? I missed that part. I think it was Blacksburg, Virginia. Virginia. Wow. Uh, University of uh, Virginia Tech, I think. Second yeah. Willie Nelson reference too. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of Willie Nelson in 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 my past. So, <laughs> is there really? What was the first uh, What was the first album you bought, Steve? <sighs> Not the one that mom gave you. Can yeah. I say your money? Uh, Strawberries. There's say, no embarrassment you can, here. Goddamn, you can say anything. I'm gonna hang myself. I'm not sure if it's the first album I bought or that was given that's to okay, me. It whatever. was either it was either Captain and Tennille. Yes. Awesome. Or. And that's, Talk about somebody who plays all the keyboards at the same time. Right, right. The captain had he had the greatest keyboard. It was huge. It was you know one of those things that you look at and you're like he must. And what did he do with it all? Captain and Tennille. <laughs> he put on a stupid hat and he backed up. He got fucking paid. Tennille. The dude was driving a Tesla in the seventies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how much money the captain made. Right. He was doing just the, what he should have been the doing. The captain made the banks <laughs> yeah, on you, top of the banks. Then he had more banks. Then he's still... You, watch. Can you go... If I go, love, can you go, love will keep us together? Yeah. Yes, you can, which yeah. means he got money out of everybody. I mean, everybody yeah. knows that song. If Do that, you want to be the captain in Tennille or Emerson, Lake, and Palmer? Well, the point, you want to be the captain. You're asking the wrong guy. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm never going to drive a Tesla, but I would. Love, but but no, the dude was obviously making the money. Yeah, yeah. his Tesla had 22 nine volt batteries. <laughs> 70s, late 70s. It's true. Oh it's man, true. captain. Yeah. So keep going. Was it on the? Uh, was it on the? Uh, 
on the Columbia Record and Tape Club? Uh, I wasn't there yet. Okay. That was a record. That when was an did LP. Columbia Record and Tape Club start? Oh, I don't know. Felt like I, junior I high. scammed them in the, yeah what? exactly I yeah, did yeah. That a whenever lot. anyone was in junior high that's when it started my fraud with that happened yeah late well mid early nineties right probably nineteen ninety you go to BMG Music Club you go to all of them I'll right? start sure. with BMG so you guys didn't buy the tapes afterwards no we did no oh, oh no 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 we we no fuck okay no. that's you get the like, forty two for fuck a penny that. well it was six I used to two, open so. them up. Uh, like dub them onto a cassette, stuff it back into the box, tape it together, and write "Return to Sender" on the box and send awesome. it back. You see, put a I rock think it probably in there. affected my credit uh, later it in life. Did. So yeah. It did. So responsible. It did. So responsible. No, I, I was nice about it. I, I think it was. So back to music. I, you know, <laughs> KTEL was music for fraud. Uh, so I went straight from uh, Captain and Tennille <laughs> to the Who. Oh no, I see, that's that. I that. That I could totally, I get. And I'm wondering where you obviously have the jazz bag. You hit the hands, right? And the, the way you play in the snare drum, you don't just, most, most drummers, let's be realistic, hit the snare drum exactly the same way all the time, right? And you're playing it like it's an instrument, right? It's beautiful, right? I'm going, but there's but. a couple of other things going on. One of them is it's fucking rocking, and that's hard to find, which is not common. You know what I'm saying? And that explains a lot right there. You got the who thing. Yeah, but the you frenzy. also have. You also have the dance thing going. Yeah. Did you go down the Earth, Wind, and Fire side? Well, my wife's kind of a dancer, you know, so uh, I got to lay... Yeah, I, gotta, I bet you this didn't happen after you met your wife. You you already had this going. I got to give all the credit to John Lasses. Uh I came out of the 80s just like every idiot, like Kelly, with <laughs> Rush and, and trying to be the world's busiest drummer. And then uh, when I joined Groove Child, that's when parliament and, and uh james brown and yeah. maceo parker and all that stuff came into play and that was basically someone saying slow down and just play the beat and then that's all i th- cared about anymore yeah but you're doing it's at it's at, for this but to, that's just a, tonight it's a it was beat. like right there yeah i know it's, it's a beat, playing but a I'm beat like, it feels it it's not you're not just playing what you heard that's 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 well that's everyone's kick-ass. got their own internal groove you know yeah. sure but uh when it comes down to it, once you get done with the 80s and trying to play everything and being a lead drummer, uh, just playing the beat's really what it's all about. And, you know, however that beat comes out of you, when I sit down on the drums, there's just something that comes out, and that's my, my go-to happy place. And it's, it's a funk. It's definitely funk. And uh, beyond that, whatever happens is maybe what someone asked me to do. But, you know, uh, I mean, the other day, Kelly mentioned some guy named Manu Kachi or something like that. You don't. I, I no, think he's on. a real drummer. Tell me you tell me you're joking. I, I'm, I, I'm joking half. Okay. But right. but this is like one of the when he switches from I know, drum, I know. when it goes from electronic to live on Shaking the Tree. You're like, that's only there's only one guy that does that. That's the guy. My vocabulary is a little bit. A little, little limited. Uh, no, I know who's. I'm like, I'm a <laughs> I'm huge. Totally listening to that track like exclusive. Five I'm a huge police fan, Sting yeah, fan. But, like but the, but the names, like names, no, names of songs, the yeah. words, yeah. the notes, all that stuff is like a big blur in my mind. So um, you're 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 really filling out the stereotype of drummer right now. You realize that right? I am. I am. <laughs> I don't believe a word that you're saying, but it's true. Uh, but it's, it's true. It's working. There's right there's now. limited pockets of knowledge, but it's. I can remember like my frequent flyer numbers and things like that. But so I have a question. I guess this may actually become another perennial question on the podcast. We keep having drummers on. What was the largest drum set you ever had? Awesome. Which, <laughs> it brings us back to Roto Toms. Did you? Don't, don't did Kelly. you have eighty-eight Roto Toms? Did you own one? 
Did I have Roto Toms? Yeah. You don't own 88. Roto-toms. You, you have, have like 88. a group of like three at you a time. Three. Right? You yeah. have well, three. Well, when you're a kid, you might only get one, Mr. No, no, Big I, I had the, nope. the three, like everybody. And then I actually cut one off because that little one was just annoying. It took, <laughs> yeah, it's and, like... Yep. It's so like a hacksaw? I brought it, yeah, something like that. I actually cut a wedge into it so I could bend it a little bit because I didn't like how they were straight. Holy shit. So I actually got it to curve a little bit by cutting a wedge, but the, I think it was aluminum. It fatigued, and that was that. Did you go full Alex Van Halen and get the big ones too? No, no. I never, had, I never had the big drum set. I had a lot of cymbals and little shit. I love cowbells and wood yeah. blocks and all your that. Your cowbell, by the way. I'm, yeah. I'm attracted to your Whoa. cowbell on this one. Is it's pretty fucking awesome. Like, like, I have a lot of those. It's so funny we're doing this, right? But it's but it's true. Go back and listen. Or you'll hear you guys are probably playing another one. It's like that sound of the cowbell. That does not sound like a fucking cowbell. No, it's like a badass cowbell. The best cowbell. Well, ever. you got you got to hit it with the tip of the stick. Yeah, when people doing, are, yeah. think cowbells, it's the shank. And that's when you're getting the funk, funk, uh, that, that classic. Muting. So when you're dingling it with the tips, then you, that's when you really get the cowbell. <laughs> you got to dingling it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the You got to hit it with the tip. Come on. Yeah. Hit it with Just the, the tip. <laughs> dingling it. Now we're getting into Frank Zappa. And it sounds great. So you never. We really always get the, into the Frank Zappa, Steve. The giantest drum set. No. Kelly, you had the big one. So I had bought one drum set. You know, saved all my money, got it at Jack's Drum Shop in Boston. It was the best. That place was there until like two years, three years, four years. And I still play it, right? I still have it. I played it. I recorded on it last week. Oh, beautiful! Um, But but I ended up at Ted Herbert's Music Mart in Manchester. Oh yeah, one day. Love Ted Herbert. And they had the same set, so it was like I could buy an extra in your mind, an extra drum set, or you could now start to build out the double kick. Four Ooh. racks, two Tell floors. Tell me this entire set that you've been talking about the entire was a clear Ludwig. No. no okay. so. <laughs> Goldfish. <laughs> when I took lessons, there there was a the, the clear Ludwig that had the three colors, you know, the red, white, and blue yes. with the lights in it. Yes. We, we that, was, oh. that was at the, uh, the, the place that I took oh, lessons originally. And the drummer that I took lessons from had a, uh, a five set, a clear five set. So I learned to play on a clear five set, walked past the lit up Ludwig set every day. <laughs> How did you do it? I bought a, I bought a wood Yamaha set. Oh, I thought know? it was the Rototoms that got you. Uh, no, but I, I did set up for so, one day. So I set up recently you built out your drum set. No, no, I was in high school. Oh, okay, I get it. And uh, there was one day I set it up in the back deck like Neil, you know, with all That's the, what I'm asking. With the fucking Chinas everywhere all. and all the symbols. Set up everything. Brought out a gong. Took out a photo, right? And that was it. I played it for a little bit and it, I was like, I can't wrestle this thing, you know. Yeah. Like you to, your you legs to, are so far apart. The hi hats over here, you know. It's like did it, you have to like turn on the? You had to turn on your throne in order to play all the toms to get I, all the way down the load. It, no, no. It's like hang on, hang on. But I also had the cowbells and the agogo bells, so you could do in his solo. He had all these. I had everything, man. It was awesome. Wow. But I only I only set it up that one time because I was like I am not a double kick drummer I can't do this I don't want to do this and uh, I ended the photo up photo was good yeah the photo was great it's I still have it on a little three by five like you know real photo did you wear the Neil Pert robes I, I was not in the photo oh. I just wanted to take a picture of the set should have had robes fair enough <laughs> <laughs> there's still time Rob uh, no, we'll get it done we'll get it done buddy. Uh. I mean, we covered a little bit on the uh, on the screen, so we don't have to go all the way over. But yeah, the early stuff for you is really different, if I remember correctly. It's always been really different. Yeah. It's funny. I've always kind of had duality. Um, I on the screen podcast, I remember buying uh, Thriller as my first record. I, right. I, I will be completely honest. It actually, 
Uh oh. And now we're gonna go deep. Whoa. Let it all oh out. shit. Wow. Two times when you get to have two times on the podcast, okay. you have to, it might have it might have been like a virgin. By Madonna. Mm-hmm. By Oh, I thought you were gonna say Metallica. No. No. Still, by our like man. A, by whom? Like now I'm having the moment. Hold on. Well, there were a lot of people playing. No, there's on only that one, one one that matters. The oh, producer. What's his oh, name? Oh, Nile Rogers? Nile Rogers, Nile Rogers yeah. which is funny. Because I actually found I out I believe he, awesome drummer of all awesome drummers, Tony Thompson's on that album. I could be wrong, but I I'm think pretty you're sure right. is uh, a Lucky Star on that album? Um, no. No, okay, because he plays on that one. Nope. Anyway, yeah. I also remember the catalog of that Tony album. Thompson's Probably almost every album I've owned, which is weird. I've had a pretty photographic memory of albums, but oh, I I don't know why I was into radio at that point. Um, my mom, the first thing that I loved was um, Peter and the Wolf. Right. Bernstein's. Oh, right. yeah, I listened to that. My mom would be the most like, solid thing ever when right. I was a little kid was she just had the record. That's great. Put it on, and I'd have an hour with that thing going, you know. And then at the end of it, the record that I she had when you flipped it, there was a Bernstein tutorial at the end of this yeah. recording where he actually featured um, some younger musicians right. that he really cared about. There was the there was a young violinist from uh, China. She crushed. I don't know right. if you know the album I'm talking about, but I, it's I pretty awesome. It's, pretty, it's a pretty legendary yeah. thing. So that was a yeah. gift thing for me. So it started weird, and. Um, I had I bought yeah I it's bought not weird I mean well, that's it's just pretty a weird good solid uh, European, just, robes yeah, too. Your, European yeah, yeah, classical uh, start right no, 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 there well yeah know? well I'm yeah. just I'm trying and, and it's not just some lame album it's I'm like trying you know, to really pr- great musicians playing this awesome European classical music trying so. to bend your mind into thinking that I had a platter of you know you just brought back my whole childhood sitting right in front of a big KLH speaker yeah. listening to over and over listening oh, yeah. to Peter and the Wolf yeah big time right oh it was great that's a monster yeah that one on the Britain so thriller had any Van Halen on it. All done. Yep. I had gotten into Boston somewhere in there. The Stones, I liked around the same time. The Stones were my classic rock band. Yep. Which is funny because a lot of things that I would find if I was presented with them now as an adult, I would dislike, but there were some things that haunted me. Sure. And then I could find parts of the Rolling Stones that I absolutely hated. And just these lily pads of moments, there would be a few songs that, of course, seem to now be everyone's proper favorite right, songs right you know tumbling dice that right. hit me when i was 20 when i was young it was painted black when i was like a little kid well i think people look at things like the stones in terms of the audience that was going out and seeing them you know these adults a lot of people were you know sort of hippie type you know sort of well yeah. i say hippie but that era we're into the stones uh you can see like a biker group you know a sort of a biker demographic as well sure. Plus just music lovers, you know, the whole thing, right? But I think the reality was a lot of people heard the Stones because of their older brothers or sisters, and they heard them on a recording. Mm. So you actually have really young, impressionable minds. The Stones were like, first time you're listening to really overtly sexual music, overtly blues music, but it's not some, you know scary ugly looking you know black guy playing a funny slide guitar you know which was what would be realistic for a lot of young people in the in the 70s that kind of era you know are, are just that is part that's part of the reality you know you're gonna look it's gonna be hard to see someone picking up an albert king album at eight sure whereas you could totally pick up the rolling stones and you're basically hearing fucking albert king it's just been put through this filter that's sort of safer and also in its own way, way less. It's a scary, safe. ugly white guy. Yeah. But the cool, it's true. I mean, I'd be obviously open <laughs> racist, safe. but that's that's that situation. I mean, that was the reality of a lot right. of the, you know, racist 70s. But at the same time, mom and dad were probably like fucking to it, right? So it was a good, sure. it was yeah. a good way for young people to get into that 
other side of music other than, you know, singing along and listening to musicals and shit. And I'll say one thing for the Stones, too, that kind of gets overwritten. I won't make this long, but what they did for me was they actually culturized my brain for what I was listening for. Because, like, vibes, I think were in uh, Under My Thumb, right, you know, right. the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, the vibe part. I, when I was a kid, I heard that vibe part. The song, you mean what, the what, vibraphone, right? the vibraphone. Right. Let's spend the night together. They had that <laughs> pianist. I know. All I can do is when you say the words, yeah. like all I'm doing is running the lyrics on that young mind again. You yeah, know that's, I mean? that's fair. <laughs> I'm thinking about the tonality of the instrument. <laughs> yeah, sure. For me, I know. I, it's to, I was too, man. Right. I, I was it's key to put it in context. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds so great on that it, track. Right. Sounds great. It was going right. over my head, but like, let's spend the night together. That piano right. part. Yep. That weird rolling piano part. Yes. It's actually fucking hard to play. Well, I yeah. found out who that guy was, yeah. and he was not a regular member. And then they had um, the sax player forever in the seventies. What's his name? Uh, oh, Buddy Miles, man. Like when I right. Buddy Miles showed me so much jazz. So weirdly enough, Stones gave me jump ropes. But weird also is that I listened to weird music from that point on. I went right into metal and guitar, yeah. and then I also loved bands like Sting, The Police. I liked ambient music. I liked classical quite a bit. I got really into that. Yeah. Um, uh, Steve mentioned Lasses was kind of an education point for him. My personal friend education point that I first had was in college. My friend Kurt Morgan right. um, was a bass player. He brought me into Zappa, and he taught me a great deal about jazz. Is this the same Kurt Morgan that I'm thinking of? Yep. The bass player from the awesome ska band, Ska Rotom. Nope, nope. different one. Different Kurt. Nope, Kurt Morgan, he's actually in L.A. He plays in the uh, Zappa, plays Zappa band. He and I were in the downstairs jazz band at UNH. Do I know yep. that Kurt Morgan? I don't you know might if you met him. I definitely know who he is, but anyway, I'm looking at Briggs, by the way, for everybody who's watching along, I'm looking yep. at Briggs yeah. going, do I know this guy? <laughs> who is he? Right. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. So it was great. Yeah. Wow. I don't think he was real involved in the in the, the, the big music scene in the in the Seacoast. Yeah. I think I get I He was I in school, about, yeah. but I don't remember him being in any. No, he never he could. He could have been stuff. a bass player for any of them, you know, like. Yeah. But yeah, oh, I mean, he's always been excellent. Yeah. I think his big thing, the thing that was cool about Kurt, and this is just a memory thing, was uh, he went up against the. Um, no, it didn't go up really against. He just stood his ground. He wanted to play electric fretless. He wanted to play a Fender Jazz electric bass for the UNH big band. When it was uh, predominantly an you acoustic, you gotta have goals. Well, know? it was a, no, it was predominantly an acoustic bass role, and he stuck it, and he was one of the first that actually did it. Yep, that was allowed to. Yep, Dave Seiler allowed it, huh? I was there for many a uh, event session. Is Mr. Seiler still around? I think he died recently. Really? I don't know. Seriously? I think I wanna, so. Yeah, I because I, I obviously it changes the conversation very quickly if if he's no longer with us. Right. So. I think. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll cap it there. We'll cap wrong. it there. But Kurt won, so that's good. <laughs> winning. <laughs> yeah, lots of metal though, as you said, yep. as Kelly had mentioned, just tons of. Time for uh, road stories. Road stories. We did. We did a brief road, uh, road a story yeah. earlier. Do we have yeah. any good demon? I was going to look for. Yeah, yeah. I was going to look for demon or demon just, or specific. Just no, I don't. I mean, we haven't really hit the road. I know that there's one. We're missing one. Something. I mean, we're we're kind of glossing over. Steve, you were in a couple of really successful touring bands. I mean, I realize you're going to, you know, see that in your own filter, but say Zuzu did fucking great. I mean, you guys went all over the place. And stuff. We heard a brief uh, story about a sea of mustaches, yeah, that but that's the, about it. Yeah. And a holdup. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, sure, well, sure. What you don't know, that's a touring pretty story. Pretty much every drummer that comes onto this podcast ends up telling a story of some sort of criminality. It's just what they do. I don't know why that is. But it's called two kits. It's just the way it is. So yeah, they usually in this case, this was very badass. Holding yeah, sometimes it's like it's survival, it's like low rent, carrot. Yeah. Uh, theft from Caldor, but yeah. uh, you know, sometimes they did the same thing: else. stealing cassettes from Caldor and holding some up with a fake knife is 
the equivalent. Nah. Yeah, no, I think it was a real knife. I think it was just little. <laughs> it was actually you not some crime. Van Heusen it was, shirts it from was a, No, you were you were owed what you were. We owed. needed that yeah, money still, exactly. Holy, yeah, I'm on yeah. your side. Steve. Did you take any hostages? No, no. There was the right. guy that was behind the bar. It was probably nine o'clock in the morning. He didn't expect us to show up, and apparently, or he would have had the heat. Himself. We we needed the gig. It didn't happen, and, and that money was going to get us to the next town for the next sure. gig. So we just did what we had to do. It was literally like no one's trying to be a badass. We're just right. like, dude, that money is going to get our bus to whatever other stupid and he show. Was like, <laughs> right? No, nope. and you were like, check yep. out. Check out this thing I just whittled this pencil with. Leatherman. It's a, I'm about to whittle you right now. It wasn't that dark. It was more suggestion than anything. But Did you guys, uh, just in your experience, uh, anybody here, like, did you play, what are some of those shows that you played that were just like, oh my God, this is a magical show. This is it. This is what it is. All right, you go first, Steve. Uh, you know, I think shows that are magical come down to two things. One's where you're good. And ones where maybe you were just playing a show that you wanted to be at. You know, Colonel Bruce Hampton just died a couple of days ago. Yeah, I know. And that uh, opening up for ARU back in the late 90s was one of the best shows. That, that's the Aquarium Rescue Unit. Thank you. Freaking <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, opening up for, for them at uh, Club Babyhead down in, in uh, Rhode Island, Providence. Oh, classic. A classic, crappy, dark. Awesome, and then fucking you, shitty place. Great, right? yeah. And then uh, you know, like Maceo Parker opening up the Strand Theater, like, and then Nate and Nate Edgar, uh, the bass player uh, for Group Child, just played with Maceo Parker. Um, oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Just happened to happen. He needed a bass player. Nikki Glasby. Awesome. Said Nate, "Come on, we got a show." Anyways, um, I think great, uh, great memories, um, great shows. I, I remember uh, Zuzu came off the road. We'd been touring hard. We'd recorded an album. We'd been on the road for five or six weeks came back and the stone church was our first show literally like the night we get home we drive in from somewhere else and you know the church you've played a hundred times 200 times i don't know how many hundred times but we walked in there not as the local guys that live you know oh i see but you You're walk returning in returning heroes returning heroes yeah. and you get a smoke machine oh <laughs> wow no, no. paul really outdid himself i was with you but the that was wow, chris that was smoke machine chris mccoy really turned it on that night and uh, you came in and you didn't feel like you're playing in your hometown anymore. You felt like you're on the road and it was the last show of five or six weeks. And you're like, you're tired, you're stinky, you're smoky. And you just knew that you're going yeah, to you're gonna kill it. Yeah. And that was one of the best shows I ever remember sitting down and playing where we knew we were like, we had kind of uh, felt like we had arrived somewhere. I don't know where it was, but the audience must have been crazy. New market. You came home with yeah. the mammoth. You brought the mammoth back home yeah. to, the, to the cave. You the know, bull. like, right. Oh, yeah. That's one of my best memories. You know, there's bigger shows, you know, playing larger halls, but like that to me was, was uh, the epitome of being a touring musician and, yeah. and, and having hit the road and returned home, you know, kind of the feeling like a hero of some sort. It's probably all in your head, but. So that's my best memory as a touring, as as playing. So, so Kelly, you've been you you play with a bunch of bands. We haven't talked about true. it. Obviously, yeah. the one head free thing was a big deal. Well, that's the that's the one I was going to refer to. Yeah. It's like a, a great show. That's a really good band. Man, yeah. we ran for that was a great band. about eight years, right? And, and actually, Steve and I had the the pleasure. I never mind. I'll get into that later. But the best show <laughs> for me in one hand free, we were literally Nate Hastings was getting married and he wanted us to play at his wedding, but we decided to learn all the tunes that he wanted us, and, and Jen wanted us to learn, which is like 30 tunes, and we weren't a cover band, so 
we literally hold up in the studio and we're learning 30 tunes. I got sunshine. All that shit. But they, it, it was good. It was a great playlist. I mean, I, I look, That's this was not a beautiful a, song. Yeah, yeah, it was not a great, it was not a wedding playlist. It was good. We're literally in the studio learning Two Tickets to Paradise awesome. by Eddie Money. Yeah. Literally learning it, the phone rings. It's Andy Herrick from the casino. He would like us to open up for Eddie Money. <laughs> oh, no. In one fucking day. That's so good. So, uh, so we, like, we really should probably stop playing this song right yeah. now. <laughs> Let's go back to the shit we're going to play. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the wedding. Right. Everything's on hold. Sorry, Nate. Clear the decks. And Had so, you ever played at the Club Casino? Never. Uh, I'm sorry. So Club Casino is just this legendary venue down by Hampton, right on Hampton Beach. On the strip. Everybody played there. Janis Joplin, Hendrix and all that kind of stuff. Went to shit, came back, went to shit again, probably burned down, got built. Who knows what the fuck happened to that place? It's been all over the place, but it's one of those places that's kind of set up wrong. It's long. The stage is on the side. You're always standing in beer. Like it's, But it's got the vibe, and everybody played there. Everybody wants to play there, and yeah. it's actually not an easy gig to get it's not. if you're a local band because they bring in... Very few a year. Uh, you know how you, the bands go all the way to the top, like of the top 40, the whole thing, and then they start flying down the other side of the mountain. They always play at the club casino. So it's hard as a local gig to get that opener. You, you know? got to know Andy and and you got to be good at what you do. And so, and, and the money man plays there every year, right? Yep. And he, that's pe- money. People start drinking money at man. 8 a.m. because yeah. they are there for the money man. Sure. So anyway, we show up and, we, you know, they got people to help us load in. We load in, we set up. It's all cool. We got a dressing room and we have 30 minutes set. And so you're kind of in this little room. Great you, sound, great lights. Yeah. You know the place is going to be packed. Oh, we didn't know it was going to be packed well, because yeah. when we sound checked, there's zero people in the place. There was like a, a tray of, of, of salmon, you know, on the warmer. Like, <laughs> that's it wafting through the place. <laughs> you know, there's nothing. So we hey, go. Eddie Money has a specific rider that yeah. includes he loves salmon. salmon. Yes, he does. Salmon. Maybe not he was sort about his Omega farmed. 3s. So we go into this little room and we're just totally, you know, gigging out on like, dude, we're going to play for the money, man. Like, and we're here at the Fucking casino. Like, this is man. awesome. We were learning Hampton, this too, New Hampshire. two days ago and here we are. They open the door. We go out on stage and like, you know, we had not played a show of this size. Right. And we, we play our first tune. You have no idea what's going to happen. It sounds great. We think it sounds great. People are right up in your face. We stopped the first song. People go fucking nuts. And that was for me. It was just a. It was a real wow. You guys moment. had this really cool, authentic yeah. thing going too around that time. You know, New Hampshire bands were cool. There were a lot of different kinds of bands, but there were only a couple of bands that were kind of really authentic, really into it. He had good singing. Good uh, Andy was Andy playing the Andrew Blowen. Andrew yeah. Blowen. Oh, yeah. love him. Yeah, yeah and, and awesome. he had so much soul as a singer. Uh, still does. And uh, you know, fantastic, huge influence on me on the on the Hammond. One of the Guy big reasons playing Hammond and singing, singing from the Hammond, which is like, uh, you know, only Greg Allman and no one did that. You know, so it's Vanilla like, Fudge, maybe I don't know. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, kind of a little a minor there. player, <laughs> little reach there. Yeah, right. But that dude was a yeah huge influence, and that band was very authentic. Lots of I mean, I, lots of mustaches in that band. Yeah, like, absolutely. Real, real yeah. beards, real but hair. That, but that was cool because that was that you could go <laughs> real out and see hair. A, a little. A little, a little sweaty, a little, <laughs> a, a little, you know, there's a little bit of the stoner thing in there. Everything was great. You guys also had a fantastic logo. I played uh, an open mic with my brother-in-law's sort of pickup band at in the Brick House in Dover. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just playing bass, you know, and I'm looking over at the side and there's like a one hand free poster. I'm like, yeah. 
I'm like, does anybody know what one hand free actually means? And it's like, it, it's just thinking about this while I'm playing the bass on the thing. You guys made a big, a big impression, man. Yeah. I made the mistake once of asking Andrew Blowen if it was a direct quote from the, um, uh, the song uh, "High Life" again by Steve Winwood. You know, and we'll drink and dine with one hand free. I, I don't, I don't think ah. that's it. Yeah. Well, okay, so um, you can rub it in my face again, like he did when he looked at me, like I had just shot his puppy. I always figured it was more like you know, you you hold the fire faucet poster up with one hand, or riding oh a bike, riding a bike. So uh, there was no official answer to this, and I came into the band. I think there is now replacing the drum. <laughs> the way that was described there was that you know, when you're doing a windmill like uh, the Who, right? You've got one hand free. It's that unbridled. You know, put yourself, put all of yourself into the rock. You know, the showmanship, the music, sure. everything. Just, just. Isn't give it just up. that's the only keyboard player move? Is uh, play with one hand, like the guy from Bon Jovi. Like, Toto. He does the punch into. The, no, those guys are like. No, not, poor Carl. He guy, punched. He did a lot of not like, the guy from Bon Jovi, but you got, you know you punch up in the air with the left hand yeah. and you play because if you play the left hand, then the guitar player gets pissed at you anyway, right? So, yeah, he's Andrew put on low. a fantastic show behind behind the hammer organ. Oh Truth. my god. I so, never saw any hands free when I watched that band play. Everyone was doing stuff. False That's advertising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guilty. It's kind of bullshit. So I think. I'm calling it out. The, so on out. the nose. The third hand. <laughs> but I will say this. So that was one hand free. But my favorite show with this band, with the Demon, was actually our first show. That was probably my favorite. Where was one. that? It was at the Stone Church. Yeah. That's what. Isn't that where the album came from? Uh, or the that recording? first recording, we had a weird yeah. First recording it, but it was uh, you know there's a lot of I don't know anxiety going into it. Is it going to be good? Is anybody oh, yeah. going to show up? Are we going to be able to fucking pull this off? You know, no idea. And we're playing with some legit dudes. I mean, uh, that was XVSK, right? XVSK. Yeah. So John Kimock on drums and Trevor Exter on uh, cello and yeah. vocals. Yeah. Kill. But, but two guys, kill. really yeah. fucking good guys. And so we get this gig opening for them, and uh, it was they were great. The they vibe were. was great. Our people turned out, and we actually killed it. And uh, I remember just buzzing for days, right? And and those big shows that you have, like Steve said, either you played really well, and I think I played, we played really well based on our expectations, um, or people went fucking nuts. And so Money Man, people went nuts, but I thought we played well there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great night. We felt like winners. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and it could have gone either way, and you didn't really know. The train could have totally right. crashed. Yeah, you win or you lose. What about you, Rob? Oh man, it's strange because well, in the screen, I'm so I sing and I play guitar at the same time, and I'm just not really present to enjoy. <laughs> I mean, I do enjoy. You're it. busy. I'm very busy, and I usually have a couple things I can detract with, and I don't usually dwell on those things. But it's just like the point is to go through it, and I look for no reward. You know, um, Solid Eight. We had some big shows. Solid Eight was the oh yeah, that's the Classic. band I would like yeah. to talk about. Right. Well, it, well let's talk about that. It. Was one of my favorite shows I ever saw of a Seacoast band. Oh, thanks, man. The, the where fly was spinach, that? fly spinach, fly. Solid Eight. Oh yeah, where was? That? And um, I forget where that was. What's that band from up in Portland? I know who you're talking about. Rustic overtones. Rustic overtones. Thank Jeez. you. Having on one of those the first try. Wow. Having one of those need, man. One and done. Those are the bands one that swing. I saw that I went. Point some people. Those are the bands I saw that I said, "Those are that's that's what yeah, I'm talking right? about." Awesome. And literally, yeah. I can count on 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 four fingers, three fingers, but three, three. I think. Yeah, it was three just now. That's <laughs> Solid Eight was one of them. <laughs> that was great. The cool show that Solid 8 did, it wasn't like a Rob Glory moment, but I'll tell you guys the funniest story. And you were there, I believe. Oh, was it at the Tin Palace? It was at the Tin Palace. Oh, Tin course. Palace was the man. So Solid 8 got the uh, 
Solid Eight was your yeah. I we had a fusion metal hip hop band right. like all that were popular from 1998 to 2000. That was great. Well, thank you, John. And it was fun. It was uh, myself, Andrew May, Greg Hoey. Um, we had a previous um, DC was it, uh, another front right. rapper. Matt Carano was in Solid Eight. Right. Matt we had uh, both from North to Port. Yep, North yeah. to Port. Yep. Pale Fighter. Yep, and just the, our previous uh, episode is I keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And um, two drummers, Andrew May's brother John May, and then um, we also had Chris Thurston play drums, and uh, Kim Bird replaced Toby. Kim oh right, Bird. yeah. So it was cool. That. It was Kim a, Bird, Kim we Bird, went through Kim Bird. Kim Bird. She's now in Colorado, but she was a UNH um, student. What band was she in, John? Well, she was in the band with. Um, it was uh shit. Something, something. That's not the name of the band. No. no Who was the boy in the band? Who was the guy that was the other singer? We'll remember it later. Anyway, yeah. Ultimately. Um, so, yeah. It was, being, yeah all we were was trying to be marketable in a good bar party band with funk, uh, you know, metal, a little bit of that, a little bit of uh, solos. But It was a good party band. That's the, what was fun. Yeah. It was really fun to play. We got to open for or support Max Weinberg. Oh, yeah. At the Lavish Tin Palace. I actually know about this story. Go ahead. You, you played for the Weinberg. So Weinberg. This is, uh, and this is Bruce Springsteen's drummer and the yes. uh, the leader of the. Max what? Weinberg 7. Yes. From the. Conan O'Brien show. show. But the first Conan O'Brien. Yeah, show. yeah. Remember back right? in the day. Right. Yeah. And so that's a, that. So he was playing for no reason at all in the middle of Durham, New Hampshire at UNH. At the Tin Palace, and you guys decided that you were going to open for him, right? He picked the best place we Durham has. Well, actually, so Max <laughs> Weinberg wasn't really like playing there. What something. ended up happening was is he was supporting the Richard Dean tour, and he was supporting the Richard Dean tour with Scott. Oh, right. It was an election year, right? With Scott Wolf from Party of Five. Oh, I remember that. I have a picture well, of me and him. my good. So Before yeah. selfie was a word, I took one with Scott Wolf. Howard Dean. Howard Dean. I'm sorry. Yes, that's what I meant. Howard Dean. I'm funny. I bring a musical reference into. No, it, you Howard. were doing a Richard Dean Anderson, who used to be MacGyver. MacGyver. Right. Then I, you know, Richard Dean. <laughs> Some shit goes deep. It does. Well, everyone loves MacGyver. Well, well, the best thing is, is when you see the the Dean bus, <laughs> and you see Scott Wolf. Come Howard out. Dean was the presidential candidate. Yes, he was. Lost it all and going. <laughs> one, one yell and he lost the whole thing. Anyway, yeah. continue. He got a little too WWF. I, I love that. And it ruined him. That's so a, silliness. Would have worked today. Moving yeah, forward. absolutely. Yeah. So there was some vagary. We, we were never obliged to support uh, Max. Max. It was just that he was going to make it. But a, he's, a, he's a musician. He's just going to fucking play. Like, yeah. wherever he is. There, it's a challenge, though, because Solid 8's funk and metal. And none you of us. don't think that Max Weinberg can hang? Okay, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> The problem wasn't Max Weinberg. The problem is the band just Max Weinberg might be there. They're going to speak on stage at the Tim Palace. Now, the Tim Palace stage is made out of condoms, cigarette butts, and beer. So we're already like, this is going to be a shit show. The big point. Once again, Max Weinberg feeling at home. So we didn't expect it, but then the pressure came. We did our set. We had our set. Max Weinberg sees us. A look of South Fish and petulance crosses his eyes. Everybody feels (laughs) like, you know, a bunch of white guys playing rap and metal. It's going to go bad. But, um, it did happen where we didn't expect it to happen. We didn't prepare any Bruce Springsteen tunes, but Max Weinberg's <laughs> going to get on. Nobody ever stage. does. That's the best thing you did. Max Weinberg gets on stage and he's we a great drummer. room now. <laughs> were you there, John? I think you were there. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not certain if it was because he was being strict with his style, but it, he decided to play the way he plays, which is straight. It's what he is. Swing four. Perfect. And just we decided to try to free jam over Max. And... How did that go? 
didn't go well. Max Weinberg doesn't listen the same way that Steve listens. So <laughs> Max Weinberg I, is getting a would, massive would, salary and he yeah, doesn't have to listen to the way Steve listens. I was arguing listens. maybe the other way around, which is that he was there to be Max and no. it was kind of on we you guys failed to him. listen. We, whatever, we yeah, failed right. him. You listened yeah, to Max. Failed him. Yeah, right. Absolutely failed him. his job. And we didn't even think to prepare. No, that was the best. Right. So like, we're up what there. were you going to prepare? You know, right. like some blues? Born in the USA is pretty easy to play on the guitar. Fair enough. Anything. Anything that lets him swing. And so this is not at all disparaging him at all. It's just funny. You know, we know the bus is coming. We know Scott Wolf's coming. All this stuff. And then we're just like, we're solid. Eight. You could have at least <laughs> done theme from Not Party of Five. I know, right? Right. But that was a fun show. No, I'm sure. It Mike was. Murphy made a lot of money that night. So oh, yeah. Mike Murphy. Who's Mike Murphy? The owner of the Tim Palace. Okay. And then former owner. Time, yeah. Former owner. Right. He is in heaven. Rest in peace. <laughs> he recently passed. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Didn't know him that well. Not trying to be a bummer. Just being nice no. on the podcast because... Echoes in space. Right. <laughs> this is going out on all the radio frequencies. Yeah, it will be one day. It's headed to the A lot, of, really, the ring a lot of truly sweet things happen at Thin Palace. You know, those kind of places. Oh, yeah. When you get a lot that, of gross stuff happened there, too. Solid I was made, there for some of it. We made good money there. Of I mean, course. I mean, we when, did, too. In totally. Durham, you don't make good money. You're usually, you know what I mean? Like, that was one of at those Libby's things. At Libby's used to make good money. They were equal. Yeah. That's yeah. where I learned how important the cowbell was. Was at Libby's? Libby's? Yeah, people really <laughs> dug it. Cuts like, through. There were, no, there were some people that actually sort of did the more cowbell thing. I think before the more oh, cowbell gotcha. thing was. Well, well, I think that's the, why the, the more cowbell thing became a thing because people like it. It's introduction yeah. Might have to so started many great songs. Think about it. Unter Gleiten Globen Globen, you know, is uh, not bad without the cowbell. <laughs> they didn't use the tip. No, yeah, that, they used that's the, that's the biggest that problem shank. with the cowbell. You only shank. get a t- tickle it yeah. with the tip. That was actually not a real one. That was a, like a Lindrum cowbell <laughs> was it add-on. Back it was like when Lind was the thing, cu- they had like a custom add-ons to Lindrum. Yeah. I got you something have to like say. Extra samples. Did you find the Lindrum press <laughs> So good. Well, he had something to say. Come on. Yeah, I know he did. In bad German. <laughs> All right. I just well, we're gonna run out of time, and I don't want to miss out on this potential awesome aspect of yeah. of this this podcast that I like so much. So, what was the name of your first band ever, Kelly? Uh oh, um, I love early band Big names. Scary, Big Scary, Big Scary. Big scary. That's not so bad. That's not embarrassing. Right, it's pretty good. Yeah, marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Had pretty awesome business cards. Yeah, too. you were born this way. Are, are you are you leaving out like the the one that was before that? No, no, no. Literally, really. first That's first actually band. A great first band name. Yeah, it worked yeah. out. Probably revisit that actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> really Reunion great. tour. Right. Scary. Oh, do the, some of the people in that band still play? So it was Ben Diamond on guitar. He lives in Colorado. Uh, wife and kids. Uh, Corey Wentworth does live. He played bass. Does live probably in Massachusetts or somewhere right. locally. But yeah, I haven't seen those guys since high school. And it was very much a uh, Chili Peppers slash jazz band. You know, yeah. we could do different things. But we were uh, had the pleasure of playing for graduation at Holman Stadium in Nashua. Wow. Nice. And nice. so you know, we're playing whatever the class song was. I don't remember what that was, yeah, so was in front of everybody. A lot of people. But but before. You know, all the practices that happened, the one rehearsal where all the kids and I graduated 802 kids. Right. Oh. Right, so the place was full. Bingo. And we, we we were playing like Fire by Jimi Hendrix and all kinds sure. of stuff. Everybody thought we were heroes. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Big scary. Perfect. Big scary. Yeah. Steve. Uh, Judy and the Blue Lights. <laughs> no way. Pretty good. Oh, Freshman year in high school. Was, was Judy a person? Uh, yeah. She was, it had nothing to do with the band. It was some things that we feared. It was someone's mother and the police. And, uh, that's what we named the band after, but that was uh, a Judy and the Blue Lights. Judy and the Blue they were Lights. Two get you. were afraid of somebody's mother. The Boogeyman. Those are the boogie people at the time. Yeah. So, that's it, Rob. 
I think my first band was self-appointed. I had myself, a Jackson Purple Super Strat guitar, and a PV amp, and my band's name was called Rise. Rise? Yeah. It was all solo band? No, it was just what I called myself when I was learning how to play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I love that you just said that. Best answer ever. Well, That's you know, great. I had the highest studio budget. It was a teak, Rise. It was a teak, you know, cassette boombox that also yeah. recorded with that little small pinhole. You're mic. saying teak. Ooh. It was really it was really it was supposed to be pronounced Tiak, but that's I'm only saying that not to correct you, but well, in order so people would know what you're saying. Right. Yeah, we did have I that. thought it was made out of teak when that's you said that. I thought it was a beautiful like piece I, of woodwork. I, I did really right. well on my teak recorder yeah. and I, my yeah. Piavi. I know. Yeah, yeah, the Piavi. Some of it was, was made out of Kokomo. You're absolutely right. I thought you were going to break it to Rob that it was a veneer. That would have been way faster. Rob, that wasn't real. Given my budget, I wouldn't have been. That surprise. It was, it was fake. Not really teak. <laughs> no. You had a Tiak cassette player and yeah. you played your Jackson into the cassette player? No, I just put it in front of the PV in weird angles because I had shitty tone. So I basically found the way that the cassette player would carve off the angle, right. just like a mic on a Once cap. again, what happens when you let your kids get bored? You yeah. know, yeah. let them get bored. Innovation. Thing that happens. Awesome fucking thing. New happen. Hampshire, 1989. Yeah. Didn't wow. even have cable. <laughs> <laughs> that was the solution right there, right? Yeah, right. Very entertaining. <laughs> I still don't have cable. <laughs> I do. This is fantastic. Uh, so, you know, what are we thinking here? Uh, let's do this. Are you guys up for one more song? Well, of course. Oh, yeah, All right. sure. Okay, so no pressure. Basically, after cooling your jets for this entire time, you got to walk over and kill one. You want to do that? Yeah. We'll give okay. it a shot. Anything yeah. uh, uh, while these guys are going, Kelly, uh, is there any way people can get in touch with you if people are interested in this? How do you listen to the demon? What's the best way to listen to the demon other than live at the Stone Church? Uh, right. You need so, tasting notes. I mean, it's it's clearly on iTunes, right? So, and it's right. out there on YouTube, and that's all cool. Great. Uh, Facebook is obviously the way to you know Facebook. hit people. We've yeah. stayed away from Twitter for no reason. Um, well, it's, <laughs> I gave you a lot of reasons because <laughs> yeah. I really dove into it recently. With this podcast network, and it's a pretty miserable place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but not face- a happy place. I'd say but. Facebook is probably the best way. And, yeah, uh, to stay in touch with the demon and see what we're uh, gonna do next. Right. I'm interested in what we're gonna do next right now. <laughs> right on. Well, here's what's gonna happen. It's gonna get a little weird for a sec here. I'm gonna. Is this mic go on the Leslie? I got this one. I'll do it on you. You you can go on over there. I'll, I'll move this one over to there. All right. We'll make sure that everything's still coming the way it's supposed to be happening. And uh, you can hear a little buzz in your headphones. Don't worry about that. Cool. All right. I am going to actually switch mics for a sec here. All right. Uh, Briggs, say hi to the people for a sec. Hello. Yeah, so we're getting the demon set up for for the outro here. <laughs> uh, trying to avoid dead air as well. And I think they're getting ready to go. <laughs> it's like yeah, you used to you used to announce roller derby, right? Yeah, I did. I did. Someone's gonna smash into someone, and then something else is gonna happen, and then the demon's gonna play us it was, out, and it's it was gonna la- be fucking nasty. Ladies ro- roller derby, right? Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't see you gender. Don't is there any other kind? <laughs> uh, just checking levels here. Hit, hit something. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, people. We're all set. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wait. wait what is, does this have a name? Small Say it again. Small men. Small men. Sure. Okay. Sounds I good. Guess it is. Ladies and gentlemen. 
demon. 